Spring turkey season is upon us, and don't be caught out in the woods without having Onyx Hunt on your phone. One feature Onyx has that is often overlooked for turkey hunting is their recent imagery filter with their elite memberships. This imagery is updated week to week, and it comes in extremely handy, especially when you're trying to find these gobble zones where these turkeys will go out in a high spot on a fresh clear cut and strut around all day long. Actually, I was just looking at on Onyx where, where the timber company just came into Andrew's club and did a very small clear cut along this creek, and I can see the high spots on the topographical map, but also I can see exactly where they mulch, and those are going to be hot spots for finding gobblers, especially mid-morning after they get off their hens, getting up on these little high spots in this fresh, small clear cut along the creek and strutting and gobbling all day long. If you want to give Onyx a try, you can actually download it for free, try it for seven days, and if you decide to purchase, you can use the promo code SOUTHERN and save on your premium and elite memberships. So go into this turkey season, know where you stand with Onyx. Well, guys, we have some exciting news for you from Vortex about their brand new eyewear, their Banshee and Jackal sunglasses. Me and Andrew have had these for a few weeks now, right before the release, and we've been extremely impressed. They're awesome glasses, guys. And listen, if you're needing some new sunglasses, not only do they have the VIP warranty, but they're tough as crap, guys. Uh, Scratch-resistant eyewear, uh, it's extremely important. And also, they have safety features as well. So when you're out shooting at the range, again, these are rated glasses, so you are going to be more than protected when you're at the range. But they also look fantastic when you're out around town. So right now, Vortex has some special pricing on their website, which is vortexoptics.com for the new eyewear. But also, if you use the code SOUTHERN20, you get to save even more on this special pricing for right now at vortexoptics.com. Again, check out the new eyewear from vortexoptics.com and use the promo code SOUTHERN20 to save on their brand new eyewear. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Southern Outdoorsman Podcast. It's me, Andrew Maxwell. Jacob's not here for this intro because it's just a short one late at night. Uh, I'm actually just rolling in from Kentucky where we spent the weekend hunting with the world's greatest small game hunter, Mr. Kevin Murphy. And uh, after hunting with him, I can say that he's, he's pretty dang good at small game hunting. Uh, yeah, I grew up hunting squirrels, and being out there with Kevin, man, it was like I was a kid again, just relearning. It, Kevin is a guy so full of knowledge, it is ridiculous. More than I could soak up in a weekend. And want to thank him for letting us come up there, and I can't wait to go back. Um, and learn more 
That guy's just a wealth of knowledge and just a guy I truly, truly like being around. And it was a great weekend, so that's what this podcast is all about. You know, we, in past episodes, have talked about woodsmanship and stuff and kind of, I guess, doing it all. You know, we're not, we're called the Southern Outdoorsmen, not the Southern Deer Hunters, because we do more than deer hunting. Um, So, you know, small game hunting is an important part of my childhood and how I came up, and it's probably similar for a lot of you listening right now. And it, I mean, it's just an important pastime for all hunters, and I, I think especially in the South, because I'm willing to bet that most of y'all probably grew up, you know, starting out hunting small game in some kind of capacity. Uh, and, and you know, I, I feel like guys who do it all and, and hunt a lot of small game, those are some of the best woodsmen that I know. A woodsman just being somebody who's very in tune with, with what's going on out in the woods, who's very knowledgeable on like a wide array of, of things out that, that are going on out in the woods. You know, they notice little details. They know how things work. They know how animals act. They know how they think. Uh, it's it's kind of hard to put it into words a little bit, but when you're out with somebody like that, you know it. Um, so for this episode, we got the two best woodsmen I think I've ever been around, which would be Mr. Kevin Murphy and uh, Mr. Ben George, who's my mentor. We've also mentioned him on this podcast before. Um, he's the guy that really uh, kind of took me under his wing after my dad passed away. He kept me in hunting, and I credit him with getting me, you know, good at hunting, you know, to kind of to where I am today. So it was a real pleasure having him on for the podcast. And of course, my friend Colton, too, who I grew up with, he's Ben's son. Um, me and Colton grew up hunting together. We've had just all kinds of stories, all kinds of adventures out in the woods together. We we learned a lot together, and we're still good friends to this day, and we still hunt together. And I'm really glad I got to spend the weekend with them, and it was just a phenomenal time. So this this episode is kind of a roundtable discussion of all of us, uh, where we're all kind of you know discussing the events of the weekend, but also just trying to pick Ben and Kevin's brains on whatever kind of knowledge we can we can figure out. Um, because, you know, they they are so far ahead of where any of us are, it's ridiculous. So so being able to talk to them and get stuff out of them was a real treat for us, and I think that all of you guys listening are going to enjoy it too. So without me blabbering on any longer, uh, here's the podcast, and also look for the video dropping hopefully later this week. But here it is. So we're in Kentucky. Whoa. What? We're going to do like a countdown or something. No, we don't need a countdown because it's already been going. So we're in Kentucky in Paducah at Kevin Murphy's house. And going around from my left, uh, which would be clockwise, is Colton George, one of my childhood best friends. Mr. Ben George, his father. Kevin Murphy, world's greatest small game hunter. And then Jacob Myers. So, uh, <laughs> and then the ginger bow hunter. <laughs> so, Jacob, I'll let you run around and introduce everyone. And everyone can talk, introduce themselves, and then we can get into it. All right, guys. Well, Kevin, first off, I want to say thank you again for inviting us up here to go to a couple different hunts. Uh, it's been fun so far. Um, day one, first of all, I had a blast. So, appreciate it. Day two was fun as well. Um, put on some miles. By the way, I think we covered about five and a half. You covered about five and a half. We covered just a touch more of that. So, got some walking in today. Um, but anyways, guys, appreciate y'all coming out. Mr. George, great to meet you. Heard a lot about you from Andrew. Mm-hmm. Again, by the way, guys, 
so Ben George is Andrew's mentor that kind of guess got you good at hunting, kind of and kind of coached you along. You yeah, know, you know after you kept me hunting. It. Yeah, so that's awesome. To be able to meet you was pretty awesome for this weekend. Uh, and then thank you. You know Colton, the man, the myth, the legend, Colton. Uh, man, he's he's a man of somehow few words. avoided this show. Yeah, like man of few words, but by God, they count. Br- brilliant, there but you they go. Count. So, they count. but guys, so we're up here in Paducah, uh, hunting with Kevin Murphy, uh, doing a big small game hunt. Uh, spent uh, day one hunting squirrels, day two uh, hunting swamp rabbits, and was able to get a cottontail. And then day three, which will be tomorrow, we got a swamp rabbit too. I don't know, we got Swamp Rabbit too. But day three, tomorrow, we're going to be doing some squirrel hunting, which finally I'll be, you know, behind a rifle and maybe not miss. <clears throat> you were behind again. a rifle. Yeah. Yeah, so Jacob already missed. I probably need a shotgun, to be honest. I, I need more scatter. I need, like, you know, to cover some ground when I'm shooting. Yeah. Well, anyways, this is this is going to be all about, the like, the woodsmen here, which are definitely you two. And uh, so, um, Ben, why don't you tell us about... You know, who you are and how you got into hunting. Well, my name is Ben George, and I don't remember a time when I wasn't hunting. I, I was very blessed to have a father who hunted, uncles, great uncles, and uh, at that time there were no deer in Alabama, in our part of Alabama. So my hunting experiences were we always had a pack of beagles. We had a couple, two or three squirrel dogs. We still hunted for squirrels. Um... Once again, just blessed, and I had uncles who had bird dogs, so quail, rabbit, squirrels was a staple in Alabama at that time, especially north and central Alabama. And, uh, and of course, we fished, we trot line, limb line, we did we did it all. And uh, uh, so that that's my experience, and when, when deer got to be really big in Alabama, just went deer crazy. And as I've gotten older, I'm just going more and more back to the roots of my raising. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's why when I saw Kevin Murphy uh, on Stephen Ranella's show, I'm like, this guy is, uh, I can relate to him, you know, does it all. I love it all. So that's my story. Yeah. Now, uh, Kevin... You don't probably need much of an introduction, but give us one anyway. Well, before I do that, we're going to get back to this mileage thing there. Now, <laughs> I don't know about counting miles on blacktop and paths, and when your feet's not wet when you swamp rabbit hunting. So, you know, I'm the oldest guy here, and I was out there in a briar patch you couldn't hardly pull through, and all the tough spots, and the water wading, and people got like a little bitty uh, LL Bean boots on to come swamp rabbit hunting. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, you know, I, I might have gone the less miles, but there's more rugged miles. So there ought to be a calorie factory in there somewhere yeah. that I probably burned a whole lot more calories than you guys are going on the blacktop and in the paths and around <laughs> the deep water holes. Yeah, there. we're just wearing rubber boots so, and you're out there with you hip waders. So. You got hip so. deep today well you know it's 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 the darn clark's river bottoms i mean yeah. it's it's in flood stage there and there's water down there yeah a lot of water yeah you, you know it's deep when you see a, a beagle swimming towards you it looks like a river otter just like going, <laughs> like the head of the tail is all you see he's just coming up to you man it's hilarious <laughs> yeah they're i love those beagles man but kevin if you don't mind again kind of give us an introductory for anyone that possibly doesn't know anything about you um, you know, kind of a little bit of your upbringing, and again, just you know, a little bit more about yourself. 
Kevin Murphy. I'm 59 years old, and you know I've been chasing animals with a BB gun, a box trap, a steel trap, hunting dogs ever since I was a kid. My my earliest memories of hunting with my dad <clears throat> was him taking me bird hunting. I just a kid, I, no gun or nothing, but but being out in the snow and following him, and then moving on up to my dad got us. Uh, uh, the birds were kind of disappearing even in the 60s there. They was falling off, and he got a squirrel dog, and then I've been squirrel hunting ever since then, and then beagle hounds, and <clears throat> got a couple of grouse dogs now, but mm-hmm. if it's dog hunting, I just love to do it. I mean, I do some other hunting, and I, you know, uh, without a dog, but my heart is really following a dog through the woods, a good dog, or seeing a good dog work. Um, you know, I've been to... South Africa, Nicaragua, Maine, the UP, just in the UP back uh, in uh, uh, the September, 1st of October, um, hare hunting, uh, snowshoe hare, he's the king of the darn rabbit rodent king mm-hmm. kingdom, no <clears throat> doubt, no doubt whatsoever. But uh, like I said, we got on one swamp rabbit today, <clears throat> well we actually ran two, and then we got a hit, what we call a hillbilly, a cocktail rabbit. Um, all of our good spots are underwater, or the w- water's so deep we can't drive to them. And didn't want to get the, get a boat out because we didn't know if it was worth even getting out. Yeah. So, like I said, we just pretty much limited on what we could do today. But like I said, we, we did get get one of each species and uh, had a successful hunt. You know, it's all not always about killing, just like being out there. And, you know, when we was laying in the sun, just relaxing, and went to my cabin and had lunch, you know, you lose all the, you know, all the stress in your life just, just goes away, so mm-hmm. you get to breathe some yeah. fresh air, and uh, I just enjoy being outside, and I hope you guys make this an annual event, come up and hunt with me, and look forward to seeing you again. Yeah. So, it was a good adventure. I think I taught you guys a few things about the outdoors that you, you weren't aware <laughs> oh, of. We're going to talk about that. We'll, we'll get to that. I'll do it. Got, that. I got a little yeah. work out of you. you yeah. know? Like I said, this is probably the first time I didn't have to wash dishes or skin any squirrels or any other animals. So I'm taking advantage of you. You may not know that, but I am. Awesome. The Southern dishwashers. I agree with I agree with Kevin. My best memory of the day wasn't killing that swamp rabbit. It was like Kevin said when we were like laying back there in the sunshine and at his cabin, and especially Kevin cooked an outstanding breakfast this oh, morning, yeah. Yeah. a yeah. truly Southern breakfast for anybody that don't know what a Southern breakfast <laughs> is. Kevin Murphy knows how to cook a Southern yeah. breakfast. And like his buddy uh, Jody said, this is the best part of the hunt today, no matter how many rabbits we kill. And as I've gotten older, and I know Kevin would agree, uh, appreciating friends and meeting new friends and going into new territory is uh, more and more to me the the big thing. Uh, even though I love killing, don't don't make any mistake. Y'all know me. <laughs> I want to kill some game. But if we hadn't killed a rabbit today, it was a successful day. Wouldn't you say so? Oh, very Gordon? much so. Very yeah. much so. Yeah. It's, it, the, the older, you know, there's like four stages of, of hunters there just mm-hmm. when you're young you're wanting to go but you ain't old enough to go and you got the want to and you're just ready to go but you ain't big enough and then finally you get to go on a trip maybe take a gun 
and then you kind of get turned loose on your own and you want to kill everything out there you know, might have a bb gun 22 or whatever and then you get a little bit older and you get some skills after you develop some skills and then after you develop skills you just like ben and i we're in the fourth quarter of our life and all we want to do is just be as i say being the polaroid we just want to be a part of it and like i said mm-hmm. it don't matter yeah you know as far as shooting a squirrel or a swamp rat whatever if i take a bunch of new people that hadn't had that experience or even old people I don't have to kill one single squirrel or one single rat. Now, I'd re- the only thing I'd rather see a new uh, than a new guy that ain't never killed anything is one of my dogs catch some kind of critter. Now, I'd rather <laughs> I'd rather one dog catch a darn squirrel than shoot ten out to it. You know, it just helps make a dog. They just you know that's what their DNA is to catch animals, there. Mm-hmm. and it really gives them confidence when they can catch their own own animal out there. But uh, like I said, I just enjoy being outdoors. Not everybody's built to be an outdoorsman you know it's it's a lot of hard work it's a lot of effort out there and it, there's nothing easy about it and you've got to put forth some some effort to do it to be a successful hunter fisherman outdoorsman you got to be pretty smart i mean you gotta gotta look at things and try to figure it out <clears throat> and the easiest thing to do is learn from from somebody else that's that spent their life out there and has figured it out and, and willing to share that information to you. Some people won't share anything. But, and when I was younger, I, I would not do that. But the older I get, the more that I want to share, show people, say, hey, this is this is what you need to do. This is what you don't need to do. And if you do this right here, you'll be, be you'll be a little bit more successful there. And I think you guys have seen that. And I kind of get excited sometimes, and don't get don't get riled with me right there. But I just get get anxious. <laughs> and, and small game hunting is like breathing air to me. I don't even think about it. Yeah. I just I just do it. And mm-hmm. I think everybody else should be able to breathe air and small game hunt. But you y'all ain't y'all ain't had the experiences I had. So you know I, I apologize for that. But I get caught up in the moment. <laughs> you and, got nothing to apologize and, about. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like I said, I just like being out there and trying to say hey you know you need to be doing this right here instead of that this is how you do it but um, like I said I, I had a great great day yeah now one thing that you kind of touched on is like you know you eat and breathe pretty much small game hunting and again Ben you kind of grew up doing it too so you know y'all are extremely skilled you know you know of course Colton you know kind of grew up small game hunting with you Ben yeah. you know Andrew grew up you know small game hunting you know reasonable bit I did mm-hmm. not I got into hunting through deer hunting, and that was it. Like deer hunting, and then a little bit of turkey hunting, that was it. You know, we went squirrel hunting. I took a pellet gun by the house and got shot squirrels, and that's really not the same thing because they just sit up there and hit them. So, like, when we went out, like you were saying, you know, everything's, you know, first nature to you. You know, it's just quick and easy, you know, and you're looking at us, especially like, you know, me, even when I was with a camera on Thursday, squirrel hunting, talking squirrel hunting, you know, not understanding, you know, position, not understanding you know, how to walk slowly in some situations. Other times, you know, it's not that big of a deal. And how to handle yourself when there's a squirrel in the tree so you don't spook it, start, start run, you know, running limbs or you call it treeing. Timbering. 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 So, and I, I learned a lot of different vocabulary just from you guys, you know, this week talking different small game, uh, you know, tactics and everything. But so, but there was another name for it there, and I was trying to remember what uh, what that the Alabamans called it there. We well, used to call it riding timber. He's no, riding no, timber. No, no. What what did what did Andrew call it there? I don't remember. Hopping or something. Lim hopping. Hopping or something there. I forgot what's I need to remember that term. <laughs> I want to be sure and not ever say it. <laughs> <laughs> but me and Colt were talking about it when we got done hunting 
and me and we were skinning yeah. squirrels out there and we're like we thought we knew a lot about squirrel hunting and then we came up with kevin murphy and went to school <laughs> the, 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 two things number one what kevin said about being in the fourth quarter and looking at hunting different and he and i talked about this last night if there's anybody listening uh, one thing that concerns me and i think maybe kevin two things that i think concerns me and kevin too is number one we don't have enough young people getting into the sport and so anybody out there that is a hunter and if you're young the the one thing that a little bit disturbs me in alabama and i can't speak for kentucky is jealousy among young hunters wanting to hog the places wanting to never help anybody the only way we're going to preserve the sport we love I have a saying is take somebody hunting because somebody took you. You know, every one of us has somebody mm-hmm. in our life that got us started. And if there's only one thing I can emphasize for anybody out there, whether you're a diehard waterfowler, whatever you do, is, is don't be so uh, overzealous that, that you don't want to teach somebody. Mm-hmm. See, mine and Kevin, we both love squirrels. Mine is a lot of steel hunting and, and slipping, although I love doing it with a dog. So Kevin can teach me a lot of things about hunting them with a dog. I can go kill squirrels where I hunt doing it my way, but I enjoy coming up here and doing it his way too. But he knows a whole lot about doing it his way that I don't know. But the bottom line is uh, I, I kind of took Andrew in when his father passed away, and I have never gotten greater satisfaction than to see Andrew successful and Colton successful. Mm-hmm. That to me is a, is better than me killing the biggest buck in the world or going kill, killing the limit of anything. So take somebody hunting or fishing because somebody took you. And that's all I'll say about that. And there's a lot of emphasis on getting somebody young, but I meet so many people says. I used to fish a lot, or I used to hunt a lot right there, and I just got out of it there. And there's a lot of people out there that just needs to re-engage and, and start fishing and hunting again. And you'll enjoy it. I mean, it ain't, like I said, about stacking up, just like getting out, getting mm-hmm. some exercise, uh, seeing nature. I mean, we saw, we saw, you know, we saw nature today. We saw sandhill cranes. I think one of the boys, his first time he ever heard uh yeah, that's the first time I've ever heard of them. Uh, we, we found a darn box turtle floating in the water. We had a little turtle lesson. I think they're going to talk about it later on. <laughs> but, but it's <laughs> a whole lot more than just killing animals. And it's a whole lot more than just taking somebody young out. It might be somebody that's never that, that might be 40 years old or 50 years old that never had an opportunity to hunt or just, they just didn't want to. And there's a lot of those people out there that are willing to... To go out, and, and it's kind of like a friend of mine says, when somebody eats some wild game, it needs to be the the best, it needs to be some effort put into it and make it the very best you can. It mm-hmm. don't need to be something that you shot all up right there and you're halfway clean and you're halfway cooked. Mm-hmm. It needs to be a good experience for them. And that's the same way when you take somebody new hunting, try to get it where it's a good experience. I mean, it may not be successful or you may not get a whole lot of stuff, but like I said, you can throw in and say, this is this kind of tree right here, or look at this right here. This is this is swamp rabbit sign. So you go in that area, place there. If you don't see any droppings on a log in about 20 or 30 minutes or whatever, 
you know, most likely there's not any swamp rabbits in there. You need to move on and find somewhere else. And we got into that today. We saw very little sign. Now, when we did see some sign, we killed and ran some swamp rabbits. But we covered a whole lot of area, and we never saw any sign whatsoever. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. there's a lot of little things you can teach people other than just how to kill an animal. Uh, there's a lot out there in nature and just getting out and breathing good fresh air and we got a lot of public land, and we hunted public land all day today. Mm -hmm. Clark's River uh, uh, Wildlife Refuge. It's a migratory songbird refuge, about 12,000 acres, and just ideal place to get out and get outside, take a walk, look around, see what, what God has made for all of us. So Loaded with squirrels. Yep. It was loaded yep. with squirrels this year because we got acres. Next year, we may not have any acres. We won't have any squirrels. So it's all a food process right there. Yeah, and a great example, you talk about, you know, it's not all about just getting young people into hunting, but just, you know, any age group. Uh, great example, uh, uh, one of my uncles, uh, Anthony Troncalli, uh, one of his friends who's in his mid-40s had never been hunting in his entire life. Anthony got him in introduced to it and now is in a club. And because he got introduced to it about two years ago, you know, just started hunting, he got his two younger boys, which are both in high school, into it. And they're addicted to it. They love it. They got out there and they were able to shoot their first deer last year. Both of them got a buck. And it's like, it's amazing how just changing one person's opinion on hunting and getting them out there having experience, how that can, you know, transform a whole family. That's what it's done for them, uh, which is huge. Uh, but that's huge. And another thing, you know, y'all kind of touched on is like, you know, small game hunting. But when you're talking about, you know, it's not all about the killing. Like today, you know, you're out in nature. But I learned a lot today from just you, or really both of you guys, but really Kevin, like you and the way you were talking, the way you like, you know, I've never really rabbit hunted before. We rabbit hunted, but it was nothing as organized as what we did. Like we ran dogs and everyone was like kind of all over the place. So, you know, you just saw orange and this and that. But like seeing how we did the rabbit hunt today, how we were working the dogs, how to understand when the dogs were on a rabbit and when maybe they were cold trailing one, but they weren't on one yet. And then, you know, when nothing was happening. So I learned a lot from that. Again, coming from a background of never doing that in the past, never working with dogs, never having that kind of experience, which is really cool for me. Where I know most of you guys, or all you guys have, you know, had that in the past. So that that was fascinating. And then to me, the most fascinating thing was what I learned. And I didn't even, well, I pulled the trigger one time and missed squirrel with a 22. <laughs> but like how your dog uh, was working those squirrels. That was fascinating. And like the time mm -hmm. when, you know, we had two squirrels up the tree, you shot one. And then we didn't think there was another tree up, or another squirrel up in the tree. And, you know, um, uh, what's it, dog? Bobby Django. Bobby Django. He was still barking up in there, and like you, you shot at a little whatever, and then another squirrel ran out, and you're like that. He that dog knew there was probably another squirrel, and I was like, I was blown away, and you know, and yeah. it's like stuff like that. I was like, Dave, that makes me want to squirrel hunt even more and get a dog to be able to do that because it's just fascinating. Again, coming from someone that's really never had a, any kind of working dog, you know, we had like house dogs growing up, which. You know, to me, a house dog's not really great for anything except laying on the couch and, you know, comforting you. Getting hair every, <laughs> everywhere. Yeah, but it's like, it's awesome to, <laughs> to have a dog to go out there and, and run squirrels. I mean, that was a blast. I mean, yeah. The one really that, that Kevin impressed me with yesterday was, and I'm a lifelong squirrel hunter. You know, like I said, I do the stalk and slip, and I've hunted with dogs. But we, we got this squirrel tree, and we kill it. And I told Kevin, I was just sure the squirrel was going to run to the nest. Well, he didn't. The squirrel didn't. And so after, I think, Andrew may have killed the squirrel, I told Kevin, I said, I can't believe that squirrel didn't run the nest. And I saw the light come on to Kevin. He said, that's probably because there's another squirrel in that nest. 
Well, see, that's something. Never think you've hunted so long you can't learn something. Exactly. Yeah. And 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 I went boom. I said, damn, you know. Yeah. And so Kevin runs. Sure enough, gets a limb and doggone if he wasn't right. The reason <laughs> that squirrel, I was amazed the squirrel didn't run to the closest uh, mm-hmm. hiding place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kevin picked up on immediately that it's probably cause his buddy's in the nest. And so he runs that one out and we kill it. And this is something I've told you, Andrew and Colton, is never think that you've learned it all because when you go with other hunters and they might be younger than you, mm-hmm. you can learn something from just about everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you'll pay attention. You know, you may think this guy I don't know, but you'll pick up something from a lot of guys, you know, Mm-hmm. So, boy, I, I was pretty impressed with that, Kevin. <laughs> you had him figured out why he didn't go that nest. You know, that was awesome, too, because I was sitting there in this whole situation, and I was like, that blew me away. Because, again, I'm coming out here. I've squirrel hunted, again, really just, you know, got down to the farm. We walked around and, like, never killed anything because you're just walking. You're not still hunting. You're just walking around. Of course, you don't see anything. And then, you know, kills in the backyard with a pellet gun. But, like, you know, before that, never really took squirrel hunting seriously. And seeing all that and seeing how... First of all, Kevin, you can read the dog and be able to read the situation and find that uh, squirrel in the tree. Like, I was impressed how easy how we were finding those squirrels in those trees. I mean, I was over here with a camera, and, you know, you just catch a little tuft of fur, or you could see, you know, a paw or an just ear, an ear or something like that. And just be able Always to catch their tail. That's how I get them. Yeah. And, and, again, you know, that was just, you know, again, fascinating. I really enjoyed that. Again, coming from a guy growing up deer hunting, which deer hunting, it's fun, but for a young kid getting into it is very boring most of the time, unless you're sitting on a green field and there's a bunch of deer coming out. But still, there's a lot of time that goes by. Where I think if you had more kids getting into like squirrel hunting, whether still hunting or with a dog, especially I mean, with a dog, yeah, that's I mean, it's high, even if it's not it's high energy, even if there's not a lot of squirrels, it's still higher because you're, you're working the dog, you're working the dog, you're covering ground, stuff like that. It was again, I, I found it purely fascinating, I loved it. Me and Andrew were talking afterwards, and we both felt like we had just learned how to squirrel hunt. <laughs> yeah, I, know. I felt like a kid again because we had that first one. The first squirrels we got on was a double, and we shot them out, and yours ran. It started running, and it gets in the water, and Kevin, you run down there, yeah. and you're, like, grabbing leaves and, like, stuffing them in holes on the tree and everything, and you're, like, calling your dog. And I don't know what you were doing, so can you explain to us a little bit about kind of well, the situation? You know... You get a squirrel on the ground, or if he takes off for running on you, he's going to him a safe spot somewhere nine out of ten times. And they know every hole, knot hole in the woods, I mean, where everything is. And a lot of times, like I said, if you if your dog's got it, if you're by yourself a, a lot too, you're by yourself in a derm squirrel, you can't get a shot in because he's staying on the wrong side of the tree all the time. And there may be a hole at the bottom of the tree. And just take a handful of leaves or something and just cram it in that hole. Now, you know, if it's a, a bushel basket size hole, you don't want to sit there and try to fill it up. But if it's just a small hole where you can reach down and get a handful of leaves or stick your hat or head in it or whatever, then that blocks him off. He comes running down a tree and he sees the darn front doors locked up on him right there. He don't know what to do then. But but then you got a chance of getting him. But if you don't, you get on the other side of the tree, and the squirrel can run into that hole real easy. And so, I mean, I knew that the squirrel was in there, and I didn't want him to slip away because I've seen that happen so many times that a crippled squirrel will get away from you. You think he's on the ground or whatever, and he flops around, and 
like I said, you just cut him off. It's just one of those things that, you know, I just know to do. So, that, you know, don't take but a second. Now, we got to talk about, with you talking, explain that, was it a squirrel or a rabbit that got up that one tree where you had the, the little sapling? Not, not today. I've done it both on times. Because you, you showed yeah, us a video. Yeah, yeah. Twisting them out. Yeah. A lot of times, if you cripple a swamp rabbit, they'll go to a hollow tree. And in the in the way I understand in the state of Kentucky, I've talked to a game warden about this. If you wound a game, you, you use pretty much any means whatsoever. You know, you ain't gonna get a darn excavator out there and dig something out of the ground or whatever. But if you've got a branch or something, you you can get something out. And a, a friend of mine, he he had shot at this darn swamp rabbit. He's the world's worst shot. <laughs> David Glore up in up in darn uh, uh, Michigan there. But he shot it. He shot all the shells up to <clears throat> swamp rabbit, and he had to go back to the truck and borrow some from Jason Champion. And Jason told him, "said Hell, Kevin knows how to get that darn rabbit out." So the dogs, he said, the dogs is over at a darn hollow tree looking up in it. So he, <clears throat> he calls me and says, "Hey, hey, I got this squirrel, this this rabbit over here. I think he's in this hollow tree." So I go over there, and he's in a big old locust tree, and it's about half rotten at the bottom, and and he. He's got a pair of darn fencing pliers or something with, so I tear some of it out in there. A little Lucy's at the bottom, chewing on it, looking. She was raised with some squirrel dogs. And she knows when stuff goes in a tree, mm. and and finally I opened it up where I could get my hand in there because I knew it was just a swamp rabbit, wasn't no catfish or nothing like that or cottonmouth or whatever. So I could reach up in there and I could feel him. I could feel his fur, but I couldn't get a darn grip because he had his legs sucked up underneath him, and I just. I was on my tippy toes and reaching. I couldn't couldn't get a hold of him, so I got me a little sapling, about three foot long, and I, I put up in there and I twisted him and got a hold of him, and then I just eased him on down there and I sucked him out of there. So, and and I've done that before on, on swamp rabbits. You can, you can do it on squirrels too when they go up a hollow yeah. tree. Now I've, the reason you know a lot of people don't know about what Kevin's talking about, but because of my dad and rabbit hunting with him, I'd seen my dad do it. Now honestly, I never did twist one out but i've seen my dad do it and uh it's fascinating you showed the video because i someone videotaped one time that happened and you going up there and you know twisting it this sapling up around the, the rabbit to be able to tangle them up to pull them out that's crazy again stuff i would have never thought about i mean i probably would have had a I don't know. A hatchet to the tree or gunner <laughs> off the tree. I've hacked, uh, yeah, I've hacked up a tree with a K bar. I've heard stories of you uh, reaching for catfish. <laughs> One thing I did just learn after years of teaching Andrew and Colton, really, I started them out on squirrels. And like I said, Kevin and I hunt them a little different way. I do what some people call steel hunting, stalk hunting. I call it slip hunting. A friend of mine calls it sliding for squirrels. But I taught them, and I've seen both of them kill limits of squirrels. I just found out tonight that they just learned to squirrel hunt from Kevin Murphy. <laughs> so, I, I don't know if they've learned or not. I think they went on their first squirrel hunting trips, what I'm thinking. Yeah. With the dog. With the dog, definitely. Yeah. 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 Well, they learn how to squirrel hunt with the dog. But I've seen Andrew kill a lot of squirrels and caught them oh. doing slip hunting, yeah, what I call yeah, slip yeah. hunting. Yeah, I mean, Andrew definitely can hold his own weight, you know, sliding through, still hunting, slip hunting, whatever. Because, <laughs> I mean, he's tagged out multiple times on, you know, a bunch of public land back home. So, I probably couldn't, dude. That's, I don't know. I don't know. I love squirrel hunting. But, yeah, going out there with the dogs is a different experience, man. And I feel like going out with dogs, 
you you like learn kind of a different angle of, of your prey too. Like you you learn different things about how a squirrel or a rabbit acts that you wouldn't learn if you're just slipping through the woods still hunting them. Like it after running them with dogs, it really makes me wonder how many I've just walked past that were sitting on a limb flat. Yeah. They just let me go on by, and I asked you about that, Kevin, and you said we've probably walked past a bunch today. You know, a lot of them never hit the ground. They just get up there, you know, and and lay around. They just like us. They might eat a big meal or something, and they they get full. And they just lay around. They just laying up in a fork or whatever, you know, just kind of resting. I seen big fox world just lay flat as a pancake up on a darn darn wood, you know, up on a limb or something there. Sunning, you know, and some dogs got the ability where they can't they can't tree a squirrel unless they see the squirrel, or some can't can't tree a squirrel unless they hear it, and then some can't can't tree one unless they track it up. But there's some dogs got what I call winding ability, and a and a squirrel can be up in the top of a tree and never hit the ground. But that dog's got a good enough nose on him that he can smell and he knows that there's a squirrel up there. Now, Bobby Django did that a couple of times, and I think I told you, I said he's winning the squirrel, so there's some squirrels mm-hmm. in there somewhere, but he don't know where they are. You know, we had an overcast day, and it's kind of misty raining right there, and the scent conditions was ideal. Probably too much scent, you know, too much scent going on, and he couldn't, he couldn't pinpoint that squirrel mm-hmm. where it was. But we knew, hey, he's right here in this general area, and we always pretty much found a squirrel, you know, mm-hmm. it's, that's in there. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. uh, you know. One of the things that Kevin's talking about that I use when I'm slip hunting them, still hunting them, mm-hmm. if, if, if I'm hunting in the morning and the squirrels are feeding, and say so it's a pretty cold morning, when they stop feeding, just like Kevin said, uh, squirrels, they'll get lazy. They fed up, they'll get on a limb. Sun gets up there and they're just like me and you. They're just going to lay up there and they'll take naps, I believe. And so what I do, let's just say it's been a cold morning and maybe I've killed a few squirrels. And I think the hunt's over. I'll give my one last try. And uh, I learned this. I've got to give credit to a guy named Ben Rogers Lee, who was one of the first uh, pioneers in filming hunts. And he was a world champion turkey caller. But he was a great small game hunter. And he told me, he said, Ben... He said, when it gets that time of morning, don't give up. Just ease through the woods. And so those squirrels are laying up there, just like Kevin's talking about. They're just laying. They're fed up. And they're like me and you. They just lay up there, and they'll take a nap. But something to get them stirred up. A squirrel's a real curious creature. Is I'll take a like a dying rabbit call or just anything get them excited that. So make a dis- squirrel in distress, distress call. And it don't always work, just like rattling deer don't always work, but give it a try. You can just squeal away. I'll use dying rabbit, I think it's the best thing, with mouth call. And if you've got a 22 and it's this time of year where you can really see them, mm-hmm. sometimes you'll have two and three jump up on a limb, start shaking their tail and barking at you. Really? Just because they're excited, it's just something, they think something's dying. And if you're a good shot, you may increase your uh, four squirrels to seven. Mm-hmm. or four to six and it ain't gonna work every time but i promise you it, it will work just have that in your vest if you're slip hunting like i said me and kevin both love squirrels we're coming at it a little different way uh but there's a lot of tricks and i learned that once again by one of the greatest woodsmen i ever knew mm-hmm. uh ben rogers lee ben lee you can look him up you'll find him immediately mm-hmm. if you if you google it um kind of guy kevin is just a out a woodsman best compliment you can ever give to anybody 
uh, Ben Rogers Lee was a woodsman, and I know now Kevin Murphy's a woodsman, mm-hmm. and that's a compliment. That's a compliment. Yeah. Well, you know, one thing I'd like to talk to you, Kevin, about is just dogs in general, and kind of look at it from two different aspects. You know, first talking squirrel hunting. You know, if someone wanted to get into squirrel hunting, whether they had history in the past of, you know, using dogs, or maybe they're like, hey, you know, I want, I want a dog that I want to get into squirrel hunting with. You know, first off, you know, what are breeds? I mean, could you use any breed out there for squirrel hunting? Or is there certain ones that are, you know, a higher niche that, you know, maybe it comes a little more natural to them with, with proper training? Uh, well, mainly this is the way I look at, at the dogs. There's all kinds of dogs out there. And any kind of dog might make a squirrel dog, you know, just a rat terrier or a darn uh, border collie. You know, anything can, can make a squirrel dog. Mm-hmm. But there's people that that's taken dogs over the years and, and bred them to, to squirrel dogs. And, and to me, there's like a couple of categories of squirrel dogs. Is, is a feist is usually a dog that's under 30 pounds, kind of a wary type dog, maybe spike ear, ears come up and cropped, kind of a slender built. They can be stocky built. And then a cur dog is usually, you know, like 38 pounds, 40 pounds up and above, kind of houndish looking maybe with some bulldog features, whatever, maybe a brindle color, whatever, but you know, like there's a mountain tree and fice, there's mountain curs, and they got, you know, some of them are registered there in different ways, but I kind of look at them, you know, as a, a, a cur is a big squirrel dog and a fice is, is a little squirrel dog. And there's some foreign breeds like a Norwegian elk hound, you know, they use those things for, for uh, a tree and game. You know, mm-hmm. it's a European model. There's a, uh, I think a Russian Latke or something there that's a hunting dog that, that's kind of a sight dog. But, uh, you know, a bird dog mixed in with a hound makes a, a, a can, can make an excellent squirrel dog. Mm-hmm. But there's, like I said, you know, you can have like any kind of dog, but like I said, in general there, it's what people kind of look for is, is a hound cross, you know. Yeah, and to me, you want a squirrel dog that doesn't bark till he's got something treed. You know, if he's mm-hmm. barking on the ground, tracking the darn squirrel, might get away or whatever. But, but I, that's why I was raised up. And I've had some hounds that bark a little bit on track, and then really hammer down. And if you're a coon hunter, you want some kind of dog that gets up on a tree and just he just rattling off a barking there. And, and to me, all I want is a dog to bark enough where I can find him and go to the tree and get the squirrel. I mean, that's the way I look at it. Now, once someone figures out, say, you know, say they're going to go with Pfizer Kurt or something for a squirrel dog, they're really dead set on this. When it comes to training um, f- for squirrel hunting, I know you you know, you know, have a couple puppies right now. You already said you're working with one of them. You know, you said it's like 10 or 12 weeks old, something yes, like that. Yes. You know, when it comes to working with a dog to be a good, you know, squirrel dog, first of all, what's some of the training that you you know, do to them or do with them to kind of get them ready for it before you actually start taking them on hunts? Uh, well, just like a, you know, uh, getting a, picking up a dead squirrel off the road or a squirrel tail. Mm-hmm. And just when our puppies are, you know, take a squirrel tail, put it on the end of a cane pole and, and, and drag it on the ground or tease them with it there and see how excited they, they get with it. Mm-hmm. Drag it across the ground, then drag it over to a little sapping tree and let it go up that tree and then tease them with it and try to get them to bark, uh, you know, with that right there. I mean, like I said, you know, he's he's already got natural instinct to, to go after squirrel smell. I, I, I picked up a darn fox squirrel. It was at my girlfriend's house about two weeks ago there, <laughs> and we was out 
visiting her daughter and was in separate vehicles and she was ahead of me and she drove past this fox squirrel in the middle of the road and I had that puppy with me there and she says, I reckon if Murphy's going to pick that, that fox squirrel up. <laughs> so I did. <laughs> I brought it to her front yard and I was fooling with uh, my, my new, new little squirrel dog puppy and uh, I, 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 tried, I tied a string onto him and just drug him through the yard there and the darn puppy's nose was overriding his eyes so when he hit that that scent of where i drug that squirrel on the ground his nose automatically went down and he was he was tracking even though i was in the yard with the squirrel he wasn't looking up which really i didn't like at the time but then i got to thinking about it there you know he's really got some nose power and, mm -hmm. and most likely his eyes will develop later on there and and, and like i said teased him around with a thing and put it up on a tree over there and I put it up there just kind of out of his reach and he would waller that squirrel around and, and that, that fox squirrel it was almost as big as he was and I was pulling it around the yard there and he would get on it and bite it and ride it like he was riding on a darn <laughs> sled or something there and, it, and I got some video of it, it looks, looks pretty neat there but that dog he was the biggest out of the litter and, and he's got no fear of anything mm -hmm. And and I got a yard dog here, Clarence, and he'll go in and I'll feed him out here and he'll go in and get his food and eat right with Clarence like, don't even bother. They have a little Reggie, the whiny butt there. And I think uh, <laughs> I think uh, uh, Andrew's going to take him home or if he'll drop some cash on him. <laughs> he's but, a tiger. Oh, but <laughs> he, he sits and barks all the time and he's scared of everything. He'd be out there and I was feeding feeding the dogs and... and uh, uh, my puppy's name is DG Red uh, uh, Rico Suave. Now we're gonna call him Red, but <laughs> but he'll Red go in there and eat the food there and not ever give no Clarence no mind. But little Reggie sat back there and whine and look at every move Clarence was making there, afraid because he's been picked on his whole life right there. And big old Red has rooted him out and done whatever he wanted to with the rest of that litter as a litter of six. He's got no fear. Mm -hmm. You know, he's never been bullied in his life right there. He just goes in there. And I think y'all probably seen the difference in the yeah. two puppies today. Oh, yeah. He just does whatever he wants to, goes. In. I took him to work one day. They was digging with the excavator there. And he's up in the, you know, up in the excavator with the excavator guy. And was born under the road. Noisy stuff right there. Nothing bothered him. I mean, he's just like he owns a place. Like he was born right there on a four-lane highway. And nothing <laughs> bothers him there. Now, how do you get over a dog? Because I know a lot of people have this issue. Well, my uncle's included. That's why I kind of thought to me, you know, talk about the loud noises. How do you, when you're training a dog, try to get them over being gunshot if maybe they are gunshot when they're younger? Now, he might not be, but if you had a dog that was gunshot, how do you work with that? Well, you know, you want to start out, you know, if you got puppies and stuff, shooting like a BB gun or twenty two or whatever, and you sure don't want some other dog around that's gunshot. Because it'd, it'd send them all into a darn panic there. If you mm -hmm. shoot a gun, you got one that's gunshot, and he runs off. Them other ones, they just, it's like, you know, they can sense that thing there. So if you got a dog's gunshot, you just got to work at it. You know, work your way up when you feed them there. Maybe have a little cap gun or, or rattle some pots. And you know, when our puppies and stuff beat on stuff and make them aware that there's lots of noise and stuff out there and don't get them all jittery, mm -hmm. you know, by being easy with the things there but you don't want to take them out there and shoot a shotgun you know right off the first first thing or you just yeah. kind of got to ease them into it and i've had some dogs that was gun shy before 
and you know you might get two people out there and you got to get them out and, and use it like a 22 rifle 22 short and you may have to tie them up a little bit you know get them after some game you got to keep get their mind off not the gun but on the game that you're after right mm -hmm. there I had a little dog I bought from a guy. He's a dog breeder there, and she was a little bit gun shy. And my dad said, "Don't you to get in a car and we was road hunting down the road there." So you get a truck. So I'm gonna ride down the road. I'm gonna get down the road with this this dog and get her used to me there, and try to get her on a squirrel. And I'm gonna try to shoot her out there, but just to get her get her used to hunting and being around the guns and stuff. And then I've had some other ones there. You just kind of gotta ease them into the thing. And like I said, a shotgun. You probably want to stay with. Try to use a 22, 22 short, something like that, BB gun or whatever. Or take them with a dog that's a hunting dog already and that's not gun shy. And then they'll give them confidence to not run away or whatever. Be a you know a part of it or get them all in a frenzy there and then kill a squirrel there. You know, you just don't want to yeah. get things. You know, get them, get somebody up training. You know, say hey, get on the tree, get them barking there shaking vines and stuff right there or you know just shoot right under the squirrel and get him jumping through the darn timber there and get them all fired up and then kill it there but just don't go in there and kill the darn squirrel get the dog in the you know catch him in a moment there where he ain't thinking when you know when he does hit a gun and don't miss whatever you do don't miss i mean i, I got a buddy there that's got a <laughs> bird dog right now some problems right there and they took it up north and He's having some issues with it there, and he told his boy, he says, whatever you do, so we get a bird up, said, if you ain't got a good shot at it, don't shoot it. Make sure that whatever you shoot at, you're going to kill there. Well, that dog, he can relate. When that gun goes off, there's a bird going to go down, and I'm going to get rewarded there. <laughs> yeah, well, what happened was a bird got up, and his boy shot like three times and never got it at all, and that's just terrible, terrible on the, on the darn dog. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, I wanted to ask you that same question about gunshot dogs because you just raised up trooper who's your bird dog and i know that's something that y'all spent a lot of time yeah on. and i always want to mention the names of the people that are my mentors on dogs now kevin's the squirrel dog expert by far and by far i wouldn't even go there but on the gunshot thing we always had beagles and uh my uncles had bird dogs and I've had pointers in, in my time. Uh, a man named Sam Ham, really, he's written books. Well, he's dead now. He bird hunted. He's in his 80s. And he had a saying I loved. He said, son, you know why most people can't train a bird dog, don't you? I was about your age, Andrew, a couple of days, probably mm -hmm. younger. And I said, why, Miss Sam? He said, because the dog's got more sense than they do. And I never <laughs> forgot that. And on the gunshot thing, whether it was beagles or whether it was bird dogs, what we did was much what Kevin said. The puppies, when we go feed them, and I did this with Trooper, and I did it with the best retriever I ever had, Paul's, Colton remembers him. Uh, when I would feed them, I'd fire off a very small caliber, like a subsonic 22, and then and then right behind that, give them something positive, like food. Mm -hmm. So they related that pop with the food. Okay, so uh, for instance, you mentioned Trooper. Now, he, he was a dog that never would have been gun shy. But but what I did with him was do that with the food, and then I would take it up to a tw I would take it up to a twenty gauge shotgun when I feed him, but then the way I taught him um, to make the gunshot fun was I already had him retrieving a ball, so when I throw the ball, I fire a shotgun, and that meant something fun. Then I take a dead bird, fire the shotgun, retrieve it. Now I guess there are some dogs you just never break of being gun shy, but. If, like Kevin said, if you just start them early with a noise, mm -hmm. 
you know, uh, and, and, and like he said, don't put them around a dog. I never, never train like a bird dog around another puppy because two puppies are going to be like two kids. They're not going to pay attention to the training. So if you're training a bird dog or anything else, don't put two puppies out there and try to train them because they're going to play. They're going to play. You know. Does that work with uh, three twenty-one year old boys too? <laughs> <laughs> I think it does. You got a good point. You got a good 22. point. <laughs> you got a good point. Yeah. So well, well, kind of get you know, kind of stay on the whole you know dog topic. You know, Kevin. You know, a- after you have a puppy and you're working with them and you're doing some of these you know simple drills where you know you're just using you know squirrel trail or something just to kind of get him associated with the scent. You're getting him associated with you know possibly the look of the animal if you have a dead squirrel and you're kind of working with them on that aspect what's the next level when it comes to training after that point to get them you know first of all have more confidence but when they're to get them you know closer to being ready at least you know skill wise to actually be able to go out and tree squirrels well they need to have some basic commands where you can control your dog you know but you need to be able to handle him make sure they can come to you you know that you got control over that dog, but you can take him to like, you know, places, you know, park, you know, there's some leash law places there, but you can go to like a, you know, your backyard or somewhere where there's some squirrels running loose mm-hmm. and show, you know, show him those squirrels and, and let him get after those, uh, you know, park or somewhere, you know, like I said, you need, you know, need to look at whatever the local law state, but put them out, you know, chasing some live squirrels there. More that you can kind of let them run loose and, and know how the world Rotates, you know, getting through fences, uh, covering the country, not getting lost. But, you know, some people can't do that. Uh, I, I live, you know, kind of on the outskirts of town, so I'm able to, able to do that. Mm-hmm. But I have, have control of the dog, you know, have the dog used to its environment where it's not strange, uh, scared of everything. And then get them on some live squirrels, let them chase some up, uh, teach them to bark on command if you can. Um, probably one of the hardest things about a squirrel dog is getting them to bark. Now, so. now what's now what was that? What would that be used for to get them to bark? What a tree in there where they just come natural when when they run a squirrel up a tree. Uh, I've seen a lot of dogs that just wouldn't bark. They just sit there and look and not bark tree there. But if you can make them bark, you know you teach them, give them some food. Well, before you give them the food, they got to bark. Mm-hmm. So if you can got a dog that can bark on command, then if he runs a tree up there, you just give him that command. And pretty soon he relates, hey, if I bark, then I know that I'm going to get to get the squirrel out of there and they're going to shoot it out there. So, you know, that's one of the one of the things that you can do is get your dog to bark on command. And then you can live trap, a, you know, one or two squirrels and let them chase it up a tree. Like I said, it's kind of like, you know, your first experience of going out and shooting your first squirrel or like in, or in your little league playing baseball where they got a darn you know, a tee that you're hitting the ball off of. That needs to be the first thing that squirrel dog got, let one out of a, a trap, run up a little bitty old tree, and shoot it out to him. Mm-hmm. You know, just don't go in there and fool with him, make him bark right there, and shoot that first squirrel out there to him. And you might do it one more time, but not don't ever do it more than, you know, two times, because then it becomes easy. Then he wants to just do that. you got to make him go out and hunt. So. Yeah. You know, after you got them do that, then you take them out, and you just gotta, you know, some of them, some of them are better than others. Some of them, some of them don't ever get it. Mm-hmm. You know, and then to get outstanding squirrel dog, you know, you might have to go through fifty or a hundred dogs to have. 
Yeah. A dog like Bobby Jango, make, you know, maybe one in a thousand. Yeah. And she's a squirrel. I told Kevin, I said, I've seen a few squirrel dogs. I'm definitely not the squirrel dog guy. I'm more the beagle and the bird dog. That's an impressive dog. Yeah. <laughs> she's an impressive, he's an impressive dog. Yeah, he's he, an impressive dog. Yeah, he's phenomenal. I mean, again, see a, a dog work like him. And like when we get out of the truck, you know, on Friday, you know, you're kind of going over everything we need to do, squirrel hunting, and, you know, just kind of let him go. You know, he was on a tree with a squirrel within, I don't know, probably less than 10 minutes. Oh, yeah. And, again, we get out there, and I'm, I'm like, looking, like, look for, you know, look for a squirrel. I don't see anything. And Andrew's, oh, there's a squirrel out there. And this and that. And I'm, like, it just happened that quick. I'm, like, man, this is awesome. Like, I, I told Andrew, like, after that first set, those two squirrels were killed, I'm, like, dude, this is my kind of hunting. Like, in all honesty. Because it's, like, active. You're, you're going mm. out there, you know, with the dog. Now, if it was still hunting, be, you know, a little bit different. You know, kind of you know, slipping through and everything. But with the dogs, like, you're active. You're, you're you know, you're... Not necessarily running through the woods, but you're be more proactive. Sometimes like, you're running through the woods. Yeah, well, like with a dog <laughs> out there real far, and we had to like you know treat him. Oh, we gotta go up to the tree, get to the tree. You know, you know that kind of situation. But it's just awesome because it's not just sitting in a deer stand, which I got nothing wrong with sitting in a deer stand, sitting in a saddle, whatever. But it's like it's nice to change it up and do something different. Yeah, I've never waterfowl hunted, so you know, do this kind of squirrel hunt with it. With, you know, Bobby Jango, that was freaking awesome. So. It, it. Like Kevin said, you know, something different about hunting with a dog. I love to wing shoot, but I could go on the greatest dove shoot in the world, and if I don't have my dog with me, something's missing. Uh, and my retriever I got now is not, there's far better retrievers out there, but he's a good little dog, and he's my buddy, and he finds birds that I would lose. He, you know, birds fall, and uh, so it, it would be hard now to really enjoy a good dove shoot or a duck hunt without my little dog, you know. He's a Boykin Spaniel. About 35 pounds, and uh, and the training thing, I mean, if anybody's listening, fooling with a retriever, I can't tell you about squirrel dogs, that's Kevin's, but when you're training them, about 15 minutes a day is all they need, because you want that puppy, he's excited whether you're throwing a ball or a dead bird, and he loves it, you give him just enough of the cake where he's loving eating it, and then you take the cake away. Yep. 15 minutes, and you put him in the pen, and he's dying to do it some more. But if you keep doing it, he'll get bored with it. So, mm-hmm. so, so it don't take a world of time to train a. Uh, like Kevin says, some dogs just got it, you know. So if you got a good puppy out of good bloodline, fifteen minutes a day and put him up, mm-hmm. make him look forward to tomorrow, make it fun mm-hmm. for that puppy. So yeah. that's just a tip that's not really mine that came from a an old man that really knew bird dogs, yeah. you know. Make it fun for that puppy. Yeah, and I mean. Andrew, when it came to, you know, the, the squirrel hunt and everything, I mean, what did, what was something that you kind of took away, you know, hunting with a dog and, you know, hunting with Kevin and kind of getting an idea of, you know, what he does it compared to, like, what you've done in the past, you know, what did you kind of learn, you know, in that, you know, couple of hours? The, well, first of all, I feel like the dog hunting was more efficient in that setting than, uh, than like, still hunting would be. Because I was thinking if I was still hunting this place, I, there's no way I would have killed a limit of squirrels. But going in there with the with a dog, just because it's wide open timber, and the dog can go find the squirrel and tree it up, and it's sitting there in that one spot. And at this time of year, I I'm not good at like still hunting squirrels. I don't think because it's so open, it's real hard to get up on them. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. they're getting busted. And uh, I don't know. That was the one thing I noticed was how efficient it was. But then also how often the the squirrels just like lay down on a limb. 
And uh, and the the biggest thing that kind of blew my mind a little bit was how you explained Kevin, where when the squirrel's facing you know up on the limb, yeah. he's just he's sitting there and he's he's gonna stay there and relax or, or just sit there and and lay flat and hide. But if he's facing downward, he's getting ready to bail out and go do something. Explain it because I was gonna bring that up later on, and I'm glad you reminded me about that because <clears throat> I heard you say it, and now I didn't catch that, but you were like. If he's facing down, I just heard you saying, like, if he's facing down, it's not going to be good or something's going to happen. Like, can I explain that, like, you know, when, when a squirrel is facing down, especially, like, you know, whether he's wounded or not, you got a dog down there, you're like, you know, what, what's... Uh, he, he's looking for an escape route. I mean, he's getting ready to make a move where he's going to either run in a hole down the bottom of the tree or run out of limb, but he is he's, he has showed his hands a card <laughs> right there. He's no, You know what his next move is going to be, and it's going to be you better be ready because he's getting ready to do something. Mm-hmm. He ain't going to sit there and let you have a shot at him. Mm-hmm. He's getting ready to, to move on. Yeah, and that was the case because I mean, that happened a few times. And, like, the one that was wounded, I don't know who sh- shot it, the one that, you know, I can't. I don't know if y'all remember, but you know there was a hole underneath the tree. You were standing underneath the tree, had the oh, twenty-two, yeah. and it was on the back side of the tree, and someone had shot it, and it was wounded, and you know it was coming down. So like you couldn't have moved, and you know you cannot explain it because there was a hole there. I didn't. You know, I didn't even think about that. I'm like hole in tree that would have never crossed my mind. Like he's gonna go in a hole. Yeah. Now, it was a big hole. You know, it was big, bigger than a bushel basket. There's no way. I, so I just got my body up there and got it blocked. And he, you know, he stood there forever. Mm-hmm. You know, and he was on. I was about to shoot him, but but he whirled around and I couldn't there. But he wanted to get, I mean, that's all, he was intent. I mean, he's just looking down. That's where he wanted to go. But yep. he knew I was on, and if I'd pulled out of there, he'd been in there, we wouldn't have got him. Yep. Mm-hmm. But, but whenever they flip around there and they looking down, or if you come to the tree and there's two squirrels in there and there's one looking down, that's the one, you, if you get a chance, you better kill him right now. Because if you shoot the other one there, that one's going to be gone. Mm-hmm. Now, Colton, kind of same question for you. You know, you grew up kind of, small game hunting stuff with your dad and you know also you know hunting maybe a little bit with Andrew as well you know what did you learn from our school hunt on Friday that maybe you could take away and maybe apply later on or maybe it was just something you found fascinating I think one big thing was about reading the squirrel and like understanding what it's thinking what its behavior is going to be stuff like that you can kind of apply to still hunting when you're trying to sneak up on one or you can kind of feel like if the squirrel's busted you or not yeah and then understanding Mm -hmm. like trying to think of where, where all his escape routes are things like that I think you can really like benefit from that still hunting mm-hmm. I would agree with that because yeah. I thought about when Kevin said that yesterday as long as I've shot squirrel still hunting what you told me many a time I've been slipping upon a squirrel and I think has he busted me and you're right he's facing down and all of a sudden he's gone and so my chance is gone since I don't have a dog my chance is gone because like me and Kevin talked about whether you're gun hunting I mean whether you're hunting with a dog or still hunting if you let that squirrel get on the ground, like if you wound him and he hits the ground, if he's not dead, like Kevin said, and I, I've known long known this, Kevin, he knows where the closest hole is, now. Oh, he knows where every escape route is. Yeah, if he's wounded, you got little chance of getting him once he hits the ground. Mm-hmm. Unless you got a dog catch him or you just a really good fast shot. He, he's going to be in a hole. And that happened a couple times. I mean, a couple of them hit the ground, and, man, they were, like, you know, yeah. making a split for it. And Bobby Daniel <laughs> caught him. But I was like, man, like, yeah, they were going yeah, somewhere. Yeah. They knew where they wanted to go to. Yeah, if Bobby Jango hadn't caught that one, I promise you it would have been in a hole. Yeah. It would have been a hole pretty doggone fast. We wouldn't have, we wouldn't have covered that squirrel. Yeah. He was killing some squirrels, man. Oh. Bobby Django was. <laughs> Ruthless. He wasn't playing around. If, when he got a hold of that squirrel, all you heard was a squeak, and then that thing was done. Yeah. <laughs> that was awesome. And then, you know, 
Colton shooting the squirrel, you know, mile high up in a freaking tree with a shotgun. That was awesome. Me and Andrew shooting Jesus. one at the same time. Yeah, the one, yeah. one, and yeah, we walked up to this one tree that Bobby Django was barking at, and we couldn't figure out where the squirrel was. And then Kevin, you got this big limb and smacked something on the tree. I didn't know what it was because I was on the backside. But as soon as you touched it, that squirrel shot oh. out of there, a hundred miles per hour. And me and Colton put a million BBs towards it. <laughs> yeah, the footage is phenomenal, by the way. So yeah, I shot once and you shot twice, but yeah. when we shot, we shot at the same time and spun them around. Mm-hmm. We, Yeah, we got that one pretty good. <laughs> now, now, Kevin, what got you, I don't, I don't know, we kind of touched on this maybe a little earlier, but maybe we didn't, I can't remember. What got you into small game hunting and, you know, that? why is that like your passion? Like, you know, a lot of guys, you know, kind of like Ben and, you know, like me and myself, you know, deer is kind of like our passion. You get like turkey hunting guys, which would be like Andrew. Um, but, you know, what got you so excited about squirrel hunting or just small game hunting in general and what got you to that point in your life? Well, I've always been pretty fidgety, so I never could. You know, uh, the late 70s, we finally started getting a few deer in the area and I could maybe stay still in a deer stand about five or ten minutes there and I was ready to get out. <laughs> But like I said, I grew up with my dad. We had squirrel dogs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you go deer hunting, you got one shot, and it's all over with, you know. Then the work starts, all that. And you got one, maybe one week back then to hunt. Well, small game season in Kentucky on squirrel comes in uh, the third Saturday of August every year. That's just when you set your clock by. It comes in there and then runs now. When I grew up, it, it only ran to the end of January. And it was out maybe the week of deer season. But now it runs from the third Saturday in August all the way through all but two days of, of opening deer season. And mm-hmm. then it's in all of deer season all the way to the end of, of February. Now, some of the refuges like the, we hunt, whenever there's a gun deer season down there, whether it's muzzleloader or conventional rifle, small game season is, is out. But... You've got all these opportunities, and I like to hunt. I mean, if you're just a deer hunter, you'd be hunting. You know, if you was a born air hunter or whatever, but I don't care. I mean, I'm a deer shooter, but uh, I just like I like a dog. I've always been a dog person. I like I like the dogs. I like shooting twenty twos, and I like seeing what's over the next hill, what's around the next bend, and going out and being in the woods. And I just you know, I just love it, you know, just being out. And then, you know, older I got, then I started traveling a little bit and meeting different people. People come down here to hunt LBL and, you know, I've hunted squirrels in, you know, Tennessee, Illinois, Missouri, Arkansas, Michigan, uh, South Dakota. Um, I wanted to get me one in Africa, but I couldn't get a darn permit over there. And they never heard of anybody that wanted to kill a squirrel in Africa. So, <laughs> so I, I tried to do that. And then when I went to, to Nicaragua, I told them I wanted to get a squirrel there. Well, it was a holy week and we couldn't transport guns on the weekend and go to the jungle. We didn't have enough time, so I couldn't get me a squirrel down there. And then I was going to go to the Grand Canyon and get me a kebab squirrel there. And I come down with a darn food poisoning. But uh, And they don't have no squirrels in Mongolia. So And I'm going to go to Costa Rica, but they got no, they don't have any guns down there. So, uh, like I said, I just kind of like to hunt squirrels and rabbits uh, some of my old squirrel hunting buddies there they just kind of faded away and so i've got a new buddy that that jason champion there met him about six seven years ago he likes beagle hounds so i thought we like 
pick up an extra dog or two and, 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 and rabbit hunt. We started out uh, cocktail hunting and then I always had a, uh, 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 I was always fascinated by swamp rabbits. And when I grew up, there wasn't any swamp rabbits in this country. I mean, very few. We had to travel from Eddieville down to Columbus, uh, Kentucky, which was probably an hour and a half drive to go and kill my first swamp rabbit down there about 1983 or so. And that's the first swamp rabbit I ever saw, first one I ever killed. And then I moved out here in uh, like 92 and uh, started getting some some, some uh, Clarks River Wildlife Refuge and I started messing around on it and learned a little bit about swamp rabbits and, and my buddy Jody Angle that, that we went with us today there, he taught me some stuff about it. And then I was able to get some other places, but I just love swamp rabbit hunting because they're a lot smarter than a darn cottontail, and they're just not everywhere. They run different, they're bigger, and it's just kind of a challenge to go out and catch a, you know, kill a swamp rabbit there because, you know, one swamp rabbit's equal to about like killing four cottontail rabbits. Yeah. Now that's what we're after today. So let's talk a little bit. Let's kind of move from squirrels to uh, rabbits now, which we spent today going after. And we'll start it out kind of with something just about like how we mentioned general woodsmanship and people knowing a lot about like what, like being in tune with what's going on in the woods around you. So you said that last year, like February, there was a big flood around here, and you think that's what kind of changed the, the like the dynamic of all the rabbit the rabbit population. I the, guess. the swamp rabbit population. There's no doubt that that impacted them, and just like. You know, I said, you guys come in, we're going to go down on the Mississippi River, and we're going to hunt some places down there. So the river's supposed to get up about 45 feet or so. Well, I think it's 49 feet or more, so all the places we're going to hunt underwater now. So mm-hmm. all that that uh, habitat, those rabbits have been driven out of that. It's underwater, you know, three or four foot, maybe 10 foot underwater, some of, some of the places we hunt. And then here in the bottoms, you know, the same thing happened. It pushes them out. Or it may, it may isolate some of them, and the predators come in there, and then they, they don't come back and, and, and repopulate those areas. It takes them a while to get in there, and, I, and I'm pretty sure that's what's happened there. We had a pretty good flood last year, and we're getting ready to have one. We're right on the verge of having one this year, and then it disperses those rabbits there. When they get dispersed, a lot of them get eaten, and a lot of them just don't make it back to repopulate their, their home. So it may take mm-hmm. three four years for them to, to work back in there. Yeah, so that's that's one of the things that y'all are talking about today. We're after the first two runs, we were kind of having trouble finding rabbits again, but we started out pretty quick. I mean, we got out there and pretty much within the first ten minutes, jumped up a rabbit. Or you you saw it, Ben? You saw it get up? Well, I, I, I saw one slip in front of the dogs. I'm assuming that was the rabbit they got on and brought back, and mm-hmm. that I was fortunate enough to kill, but. Uh, yeah, I'm assuming it's the same rabbit, but uh, I, I can't be sure. But uh, There's a ton of water. But I agree with Kevin. When I was growing up, Daddy, uh, you know, we, we, we were uh, very uh, thankful to get into a bunch of cottontails. That's a lot of fun. But given the choice, just like Kevin said, if you tell me, hey, we can go over here and get, we can go over here and get five swamp rabbits, and we can go over here and get 10 or 12 uh, what we call hillbillies cottontails, I'm with Kevin, I I love the challenge of old, old Mr. Swamp Rabbit, or we call them Alabama cane cutters. Daddy called them. Mm-hmm. Some yeah. people call them butt rabbits. It, it's a it's a challenge or something that I've always 
been fascinated by swamp rabbits. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, just I don't know why, I can't tell you, but I'm just fascinated by them. They're, they're cool little animals, man. Um, and they, they live in, I mean, they'll swim on you. They're like little aquatic, semi-aquatic mm-hmm. rabbits. And there was a bunch of water where we jumped that one this morning, the first one that we killed. Uh, and do you think that the dogs were having trouble, like, really running it because there was so much water and it was just kind of getting in there and hiding? Or, or what? Well, that one, that first we had there, you know, we were out in the middle. The, the water was pretty much on the left side. And, and that one, they were running it and they circled it through there. And they was doing pretty good, pretty good job uh, doing it. But, you know, we killed it. And then we got after another one. And then, then Ben said, hey, there he is. Well, he swam probably across about, oh, probably, that's probably, what, 25, 30 yards of water across there. Yeah. So he swam across that right there to get away from the dogs. And they just, they just, they just lost him right there. You know, he I've was had pretty- dogs to, to follow him across the water there. And then sometimes they get out there and they'll just squat down in the water, that being a bush or on a clump of grass or whatever. But that one, that one swam across. And when they swim, it ain't like a darn beaver or an otter. They don't make no wake. Mm-mm. They don't. They just like they just glide. Really? They just glide right across the water, and you gotta be looking. But you will not see a wake. The ones that I've seen in the river, wow. and I saw one uh, two years ago, and he was floating down the river with a bunch of drift. The dogs got after him, and somebody shot at him and didn't get him, and he went to the river, and Jason was down there saying, well, the dogs are running up and down the bank there. I said, well, he's in the darn river. I said, be looking for him out there. And I looked, and he was just afloat. He looked like a big old wad of leaves just floating out in the middle of that Clark's River, just floating <laughs> down the darn river. That's there. crazy. So you're not moving or not doing nothing. And I've heard that they jump in a darn river, you know, like the Mississippi, get out from there and just ride the current down yeah, there. And that's what yeah. that rabbit was doing. Just right out in the middle, just floating along. And I've seen them come across little bitty ditches before. And like I said, not make no wake at all. Just just like they was a, got a, like electric motor on a track just gliding across. What Kevin just said, Andrew, if you remember, the property we used to call it the trailers where you said you like to hunt because yeah, it had swamp rabbits. Yeah, that's what it was, the yeah. trailers. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's called North Perry Hunting Club. What Kevin was just talking about, I don't know if y'all remember, they were, Kevin, they were about probably 15. And so I put them on a post and we was running the swamp rabbit and there's one of them long races and a really smart rabbit. Mm-hmm. And they was this long, we was in a swamp with palmetto. I don't guess y'all got palmetto no, up here. No, palmetto. So that made it difficult because, you know, palmetto just, oh, it's just like, me calling Delta. I've been in the Palmetto. And uh, so this swamp rabbit, we're running him, we're running him, and we carry two-way radios down there just so we can kind of, you know, the race is long, and if somebody sees him or shoots him, we won't know did we make a kill. Anyway, this rabbit crosses this ditch, deep ditch, but not real wide, and the dogs would make what we call making a lose. And, uh, but then they would, they were good swamp rabbit dogs. They knew what to do. They'd search the bank on each side and they'd pick him back up. Well, I finally figure out, uh, I said, that son of a gun's getting in that ditch and he's swimming a length of water and then getting out. And, and so they're losing, getting him. And so I eased up the ditch and just like you said, I barely see a wake. It looked like a tiny snake coming down the ditch. Mm-hmm. And I said, that's him. And after about an hour running, hour to hour and 20 minutes, what was so thrilling about it, I had figured him out. 
and the dogs have made a lose, and I see this tiny little something coming down the ditch. What it was was nothing but his nose and maybe his top of his head. And he hops out on the bank and shakes off. And at that point, I'm 20 yards, and I want him to know I was there. I said, hey, where are you going? And I pulled the trigger. His eyes got that big. <laughs> That's why swamp rabbits are exciting. Stuff like that. <laughs> the little tricks they'll pull, like you talked about it. That's why they're more exciting than cottontails. But I'll take some cottontails all day long. If you know where some are, Kevin, we'll go. I'll hunt cottontails. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it was fun. I mean, like watching them today, how how smart they are, like you're talking about, and how there's this real thick patch of cover, and the dogs are all working in there. We had like what seven beagles today, probably six or seven. Mm-hmm. They're all working around in there, and then the rabbits just in there somewhere doing loops. And he's sidestepping, and the one that the first one we killed, I saw him cross the road, but I couldn't shoot him because the truck was behind him. But I've seen one at that place you're talking about, the trailers, where I was in there in the thicket with the dogs because I used to be like one of the dogs when we first started doing it. <laughs> I put him in the thicket with yeah, the dogs. Yeah, me and Colton used to like we run couldn't get him right with the dogs. Crawling in there. Yeah, we'd be crawling around, and we, like I was in there, and all these dogs are searching around trying to figure out where the rabbit is, and I see the rabbit, and he's only like ten feet from me, and there's a pine that's like as like as big around as a softball. And he's sitting, like, behind the pine, and as the dogs are working, he's just sidestepping, like, going around the pine in a circle. Just, like, staying out of sight of them. And I saw him and killed him right there. But I thought that was crazy. So just that was when it. you were, like, 14, 15. Yeah. That you was, just started hunting with me. Yeah, yeah that was yeah. that was a long time ago. Yeah. yeah, I remember you radioed me and said, I just killed a rabbit. Uh-oh. You know, I, mean, I, remember I was like, I don't know rabbit. if it's the one the dogs were on. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> I remember when Andrew killed his first rabbit, we put blood on his face. Like was <laughs> I was hoping to do that with Jacob. Well, he, had to, oh. he had to become a member of Rabbit Hunter Association, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. Dude. So. No, that's one, one, another cool thing I found out about swamp rabbits is like I've always heard about them. You know, you know Alabama, a lot of people call them cane cutters, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it's like seeing how big they are in person. Like the one you killed today, I don't know how big that is for a swamp rabbit, but compared to a cottontail, that thing's huge. You know, yeah, it's pretty fair one, but we've got some bigger ones down. There. Yeah, you know, I'm sure you got bigger ones up here. But it's like how big they are, and like I think Kevin, you were talking about, you know, their hair. You know, they float. I don't know if their hair is hollow or whatever it is. I mean, they're made for living around water. And it's fascinating, like you're saying, you know, seeing them float down rivers and stuff. I'm sure they could probably just, like, stop paddling, whatever, and just sit there and just float down. That's because of their fur. Um, which I, can, I think makes it kind of fun to hunt them because they're so smart and you're trying to outsmart, you know, a bigger animal. You know, plus, you know, I bet you the meat off them. I don't know. How, I didn't see the one you skinned today, but I'm sure, you know, probably had some pretty good-sized legs on them. But, uh, you know, that's fascinating. Again, coming from a guy growing up that never did this, ever, like, I, we swamp rat hunted one time in Arkansas and it was a complete epic fail for me because I had three of them run by me like just not running they were like like just coming by you know kind of slowly I couldn't freaking get the safety off the gun to shoot them <laughs> so but it's just absolutely the coolest thing ever and again I can see myself doing this a lot more in the future if 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 you got on a good hunt up here or down in Alabama really good like me and Kevin have seen and it ain't gonna happen all the time you'd, you'd be hooked wouldn't you Kevin oh, I think he's already hooked yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, yeah. I mean I'm down to do it again but it's again it's something I'm gonna see myself doing much more in the future that beforehand I was like you know I could kind of care less about this I'm like I'd rather go kill a deer. Well, I, you know how much I love deer hunting, but I told Kevin today I'm thinking about making some changes for the future because I've killed a lot of deer. And and, I, and that's not because I'm not a trophy hunter. i got some decent deer, 
but yeah but i'm 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 still gonna deer hunt but i'm gonna make some changes and i'm going back to the roots of my raising i guess you go yeah. there's a lot of camaraderie in, in hunting with with dogs yeah. and going out because you you know there's there's 90 percent of the time you can you can be talking and bsing and doing whatever you want to be doing and then there's just a small in the water. percent of the time that you need to be quiet there and then like i said go out and and have a good time and and look at nature and talk and walk around there and make fun of your buddy there because it can't kill nothing. <laughs> and, you know, somebody, I fell down like two times a day and everybody, hey, all right. Yeah, I just fell down, you know. <laughs> back up. Yep. If I say, help me, get, on, get, you, get over here. But I said, I just fall down every once in a while. I hung a darn new pair of boots and some darn motowar out there, the world's worst stuff at tearing up insulated boots. But, you know, I just like being out prowling around. You know, we found that, found that box turtle floating in the water there. Yeah. And, 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 you know. and Andrew's awesome navigation skills. Let's touch on yeah, that real quick. Yeah. You know, so Andrew, so, so Kevin, lay down the groundwork uh. for us for that. You know, so we get done. Well, we made this push through this ideal. I mean, I just would have bet my last dollar we would have got some kind of swamp rabbit out of this, this briar infested wet ground with darn swamp grass in it it was just idea and the only thing we run out some darn little songbirds out of there that we did so i said well i said i know where field is i said it's easiest way to get to it is go down this logging road and it'll lead us right in there so we was on the edge of it yesterday and i said maybe the river's got some darn rabbits pushed up on top of that in that field there i said i've killed some in there before I said, "Will you boys bring up the darn, you darn satellite view of it? We'll see how far we are from here." So the GIS expert has got how many years of school? <laughs> Not, <laughs> Not enough. Not enough. We got him and this forester out there, and there was every tree in the woods. There. <laughs> <laughs> so, so he says it's it's only a couple hundred yards. I said, "Well, if it's only a couple hundred yards." And we'll shoot right through there and get out there. So after 400 yards, I said, how, about, how long is a yard in Alabama? <laughs> <laughs> uh, are you buying or selling? What I want to know. Not just any any 400 yards, but 400 yards of flooded timber. Yeah, yeah. We were sledging yeah, through. We, and Andrew Yard is about 400 No, yards. well, and the thing is, after the fact, I'm, I remeasured after the fact you said it's 400, it was 600 selling yards. So by God, <laughs> you know, almost get to half mile walking in there. Oh, this is a couple hundred yards. Man, I... Because we got in a couple hundred yards. I'm like, man, it's all flooded there. There's no opening. You can see a hundred yards in front of me. There's no opening. What's he talking about? We finally saw the field right before we left. Yeah. Never got Okay, now, now, hey, because of that, we got to talk about the box turtle. Because, you know, that was the time we found the box turtle. So, Kevin, that was, it was kind of funny because, you know, you found a box turtle. Was he floating? He just floated in the water. Yeah. I guess he's dead. No, he wasn't dead. Okay. Well, if he'd been dead, I'd brought him home and had his shell there mm. for a soap dish or something there. It's my birthday present, kind of cool. maybe. Yeah. So that's why I told him, get him out, bring him out of the water right there, and I got him where he'd get buried up in the leaves somewhere, maybe make it through the wintertime. But, you know, what happened was he buried up somewhere, and the darn water got him and floated him out. Mm-hmm. So And his water's, you know, warmer than the outside air temperature, yep. you know. So he's a little bit warm there. I, you know, last year, we was a swamp rabbit hunting there, and I saw a darn snapping turtle just barely moving under nine inches of ice and i oh. showed them boys from down west virginia said come over and look at this turtle under the under under the ice there but but you know they're they've got that capability and that's what mm-hmm. happened to that box turtle there so then i asked you boys says okay is this a male or female and then y'all 
instantly thought y'all was on the darn wheel of fortune and <laughs> a something there, a guess in there. It's, I got 50 50 chance. You know, hell, you don't get no better odds than that right yeah. there. We called like right, male. Uh, we yeah. guessed right. Yeah. I said, why? I didn't guess from there because you got a 50 50 chance. Yeah. Because yeah. the only other guess is a female. Yeah. So, so the GIS specialist there, using his GIS skills, <laughs> if you look at the bottom of the darn, darn turtle shell there, terrapins, what I guess is really what it is. Says it's con, it's convex, right, or concave? Let's uh-huh. see, what is uh-huh. it? Con, concave. Concave. Okay. The bottom of the darn shell is concave, and I knew right then he was either expert on on box turtles or he knew a lot about screwing. So <laughs> <laughs> maybe both. What can I say? <laughs> So, so tell us about how, how you knew that. Because because the male's got to have you know the concave bottom of a shell, otherwise he can't get up and mount his lady, <laughs> make love to her. Yeah, she'll find someone who can. Yeah, she'll find someone who can. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that's the turtle sexing part of this show. Yeah. <laughs> you got a little bit of turtle oh. turtle knowledge. There you go. <laughs> Tom's like family friendly all over again. <laughs> About your uh, what's that bumper sticker you got on your scout? Yeah, what's it saying? Well, first of all, we gotta talk about the scout. Let's talk about the scout first. Yeah. You can't just jump to the bumper sticker without talking the about scouts. The scout. So I had never even heard of a scout until this weekend. Yeah, yeah. Man, cool I learned idea. a lot of stuff this weekend. Are you serious? You'd never heard of a scout? No, no. I guess he didn't grow up, and we did. No, you, clearly, look <laughs> at me. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I'm just, yeah. They all, they're all 90 miles. So, first thing I thought about today, my uncle, two of my uncles had scouts, and when we drove up in front of your place, Kevin, I said, damn, there's an international scout sitting there in front of Kevin. In front of Kevin. <laughs> so, so, Kevin, give us a little bit of background just about the scout again, because you told me a little bit while we were driving. Scouts made by international, and they saw back in the 50s, late 50s, that, that the little Willis Jeep, out there was like one of the first, not really SUVs, but little four-wheel drive vehicles. So International had a vision saying we need to make some type of like SUV four by four to compete with with the Willis Scout, mm-hmm. with the Willis Jeep. So they came up with a Scout, which is what they call the 80 series, in about 1960 or so there. And it was made to compete with the Jeep of that time period uh, with with more luxuries on it. Mm-hmm. You know, Jeep's kind of a utility vehicle. Yeah, that, you know, developed so. real quick during WW2 uh, as an all-purpose troop transport, like a quarter ton. So International has this vision of coming out with this SUV with, with creature comforts there. Mm-hmm. Hard top, uh, you know, a little bit more powerful engine, something you can cruise around with. So... They made the, the 80 series from about 60 to 65, and then they made the 600 series from about 66 to mid-year 71, and then it's from about mid-year 71 to 1980, they made the Scout 2, which is a bigger version, and, and I, I, which that's what we're in today, a, a 1980 Scout 2. You know, it's got cruise control, it's got power steering, got power brakes, it's got tilt wheel on it, uh, disc brakes on the front, um, you know, uh, electronic ignition, and, you know, kind of a state-of-the-art vehicle for them. It's got 38 years old, 
but uh, you know it, it come out of Montana so it doesn't have a whole lot of rust it got a little bit of rust but you know it's been on the road for for 38 years it's still mm-hmm. going so I, I kind of like nostalgic guns and hunting and 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 the nostalgic people there so I just just like I said fell in love with the with the scout my brother-in-law he bought him a little Porsche car so I got me an international scout <laughs> and I take the top on it I guarantee more people come up and talk to me about the scout or yeah. want to ride a scout or think it's a darn Bronco or want to know what it is <laughs> never heard of it who made who made the scout that, that was me all yeah. this stuff there so. well what's one of the first things I asked you when I drove up I said I noticed you got a scout. Yeah, I got yeah. five. Yeah, you, yeah, you got five. I got five. five. I, got, five. I got three whole. Well, I got four whole scouts. Two that's running. One that's in rehab, and one the other's parts. probably gonna be be rehab later on, but not been made. So yeah, uh, I got a, a seventy seven super scout, which is awesome. or scout safari is what is what it's it awesome. is, and they came out with a vision that they were gonna make so many of them, and it came from the factory with. With a, a soft top, a red top, a roll bar, uh, the fin, the door inserts are are fiberglass where you won't be hanging on them, and I think it's got a skid plate under the darn uh, gas tank and a few other things. And there's probably some scout purists that's probably gonna say, hey, you don't know really what a scout is, or you got that part wrong. But I know a little bit about them. Mm-hmm. But uh, but they only made like 2,500 of those in that time period, and they got pictures of them. You know, displays going over the sand dunes and stuff there. So, oh, it's awesome. It's a pretty neat vehicle there. Something, something different. Something different. The cool thing is, you definitely and you definitely use yours too. I mean, they're not just like garage toys. Right. Yeah. You know, and that's what I want. Something I can take out and you know go hunting in and not have to worry about it. My darn girlfriend Nancy Joe says, "Matter of fact, I seen this scout on a darn TV the other day. Said it's all polished up and shined up. So, man, you need to take one of yours and." And get it painted up and fix it up, brand. I said, man, if I did that, I wouldn't want to use it. Wouldn't want to go out there and go hunting and scratch it up and throw the dogs in the back of it, whatever. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I like driving the darn scout around. And I take care of it and do mechanic work on it there. But you know, I wash it every once in a while. But uh, I'm not gonna have to buff on it or scratch it or whatever. Just a you know good hunting utility vehicle, kind of nostalgic to to go up and down the road in a scout. So there's not very many of them out there. But uh, yeah. I thoroughly thoroughly enjoy it and take the top off. I always want a convertible when I was a kid and even when I was, got an adult. Now I'm in the fourth quarter and I got me I got me a convertible. <laughs> yeah, I got me a couple of them there. I got a couple of Jeeps out there. Which, so I got a 55 CJ5. That's the first year they made the CJ series. And this little rag top. And then I got a 65 CJ5 with a darn half cap on it. And people see me down the road and says, is that like a miniature Jeep? And I've never seen one that small before. It there. is cool, man. So, it's so, so cool. So I like, like I said, I like kind of different stuff. Like it's kind of like having a squirrel dog and a grouse dog and a, and a darn uh, swamp rabbit dog. So yeah, that half cab Jeep. First of all, you're the Safari Scout or Scout Safari is awesome. And then that half the the half cab Jeep whatever model that thing is the coolest looking vehicle, period. It is this, it is this cool cool cool. Those things look cool cruising through the woods, man. Yeah, but I think it's really I think, cool. I think we talked enough about the scouts, but kind of getting back to the whole thing that guys on the scouts. Andrew had the question about the bumper sticker you get. Yeah, so everyone thinks it's like a different kind of car. So this is a Bronco wire. So I got a little bumper sticker. I saw it says. I don't know exactly. I can't say it for quote. There it says, 
Man. It's a scout. If I wanted a Hummer, I'd be calling your sister. <laughs> I thought that's funny. Got a nice BHA sticker on it, too. Got a BHA sticker there. And back country I'm hunters. going to get a picture there with some critters in the back and saying that, hey, we got, we got, we've been on a public land all day. We didn't have to backpack in. We've very forced got 12,000 acres there that you can drive right in there, too. Mm-hmm. We walked in them. You know, thousand yards or so here and there, come out and <laughs> through some water, some streams and stuff. And then boys in so them LLB way. boats, boots had to stay in the damn high ground with a black top. Yeah, I've got that sticker on the back of mine. I've had a lot of people ask me yeah. about that. Oh sticker. yeah, back at your hunters anglers. I said, well, you need to call Andrew Maxwell if you want to know. Do <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you about it. Yeah. Now, now, Kevin, one thing I'd like to talk to you about is this trophy right here. Okay. Oh yeah. Yeah. So. You know, a lot of people know about you because of, you know, Meat Eater, you know, you being on, you know, one of their most, their first of their most popular episode period ever, I believe. Is that correct? Yeah, I think that's right. Their highest rating episode ever with Meat Eater, which is why you have this trophy. Um, You know. It's a golden moose award for everyone listening. Yeah, from the, what is it, the uh, Outdoors, the uh, Outdoors Sportsman Awards. So that's kind of cool. Now, Kevin, how was it, first of all, Kind of hosting, you know, the media crew having Stephen Ronella, you know, Yanni, you know, you know, Yanni, Giannis Patelis. Well, I mean, how was it having them here, you know, hunting with them for a week? Oh, and- just just like y'all. Yeah, I mean, they they're full of enthusiasm, and you know, they want to learn, and they've never been around any squirrel dogs, and it was just like something brand new, just like you guys. I mean, they they had never seen that, and they don't know this part of the country either. You know, the terrain and some of the timber that we have and vegetation, and they'd never seen a squirrel dog work, and we went out. And in the first morning, it was, man, it was windy. I thought, man, if we just kill a couple of squirrels today, I says, now let them make a pretty decent TV show. I said, the wind is blowing really, really bad. I said, man, it's blowing. I says, it's not good. Of course, I didn't tell them that. And then, like I said, we got suited up and, and took it out. And it wasn't five minutes. And Bobby Jangle had a squirrel treat. We went down there, and Steve shot it out. And, man, he just grinned like from ear to ear. said, man, this is, I've never done anything like this before. It's going great. We ended up killing, I think, about six or seven and got some great footage. And, you know, and then we just we just hunted. And, and, and just they were just great people. I mean, great to be around and great for the outdoors to have someone like that that, you know, go out and harvest something and bring it back and cook it up and share share all that knowledge with everyone and that enthusiasm and get people out, you know, out outdoors, you know, hunting and, and, and then, then taking and, and sharing recipes and saying, mm-hmm. this is how you prepare this squirrel, squirrel, you know, then they shut, we did the little video on how to clean a squirrel. And, you know, I think that's got a, you know, a lot of, a lot of people saying, Hey man, I, I never knew a darn squirrel was that easy to clean there. Mm-hmm. I'll be eating a lot more of those squirrels there, so I won't be wrestling with them and losing anymore. So at know. that, I, I've hunted squirrels since I was five, six years old, and some with a dog and a lot without. And I saw that Kevin, you know, we did it the old way where you cut them across the back and pull back, and I saw that, and I'm like, man, that's something I'm gonna try. And this year, I had a really good fall killing squirrels. And I did it your way, and uh, I had good success, but I did find out I shoot a twenty-two a lot, and if they're hit up in the shoulder area, they'll kind of tear. But, man, it is the way to go. Yeah. It is the way to clean one. That's how I cleaned all is it when we yeah, were out the there. Way. Yeah, I'm going to let you know, I think I was on there, that popped that video of you guys showing how to clean a squirrel 
popped up on my YouTube feed. I want to say it had like 1.7 uh, 1.7 million views or 1.2 million views, something like that. Good. So a lot of people. Right? Really no, know. I didn't know. I didn't know. A lot of people made. was watching that video. I, I well, you know that goes back to what I have so. told these boys. I don't care if you're a deer hunter, turkey hunter, waterfowler. Never think that you're at the point where you can't learn something. I learned something. Yeah. As much as I, hunt, I, I saw that video and I learned something about cleaning squirrels and I've cleaned so many squirrels that are ridiculous. And now I wouldn't go back to the other way. And I learned that from you, Kevin, from what I'm seeing on that video. And mm -hmm. so never, never think you yeah. too until, old to learn. <laughs> yeah, until this weekend, I didn't know how to clean a squirrel. Again, never done it. I've, I've seen that style done before. I think on like a field and stream magazine, when the, the editors have written an article about that. But like never done it myself, and this weekend did it, and the first one I did was an epic fail. I think I ripped it in half. I don't know if someone had shot on the shoulder. Yeah, whatever, did. But yeah. I literally ripped it in half. But, again, it's like one of those things, you know, I think it would be more efficient. <laughs> I just got to hopefully kill a squirrel tomorrow or kill a couple squirrels that I can practice on. Yeah. So, but. Um, Change the way I skin squirrels, too. Yeah. It's way easier when you get the hang of it, man. Yeah. It's way easier than the old way. Mm-hmm. Well, it's awesome. I mean, again, everybody kind of, you know, learned, a lot of people learned about you, at least, you know, across the country and probably internationally, too, from, you know, the Meat Eater crew and then coming up here. Um, you know, and also you're on a couple podcasts with them, I believe. I mean, you, are, you were on with one just a couple, like, a couple months ago in Ohio? Yeah, uh, Columbus, it was one of the, that uh, all, had a live audience there, so mm -hmm. we, did, we did that back in June, and then... I did one in uh, Montana with them uh, out there, and then we did one here on a squirrel hunting show and a rabbit hunting and a swamp rabbit hunting, and then we did one on the catfishing. So I guess it's been four, mm -hmm. uh, four, four podcasts so far with them. We need to, I want to book a date with you to go catfishing. Oh, mm because -hmm. like, again, greenhorn of that, we'd love to learn how to successfully <laughs> catch some catfish other than on rod and rail. Rod and rail is one thing, but... You, you can do that, but I'm going to get you down on Shays Creek and we'll do some limb lining. Sweet. Yeah, I'm, that's, uh, I'm down. You'll be in Atlanta soon. Man, it won't be about two hours. Right? Oh, yeah, no, not bad. Shorter than it is coming from Nashville. Yeah. yeah. So that, that'd be good. But, yeah, I mean, you yeah, growing up fishing with rod and rail, that was it. So we never, Andrew's like, oh, we run limb lines all the time. I've never run limb yeah, lines. I've like, run, man, ran trot lines a little bit in high school. And, like, we caught a bunch of fish in high school. We actually in, went to, you know, boarding school, had a bunch of ponds on the property. We'd catch a crap ton of catfish and flay them all and cook them. But uh, yeah, catch a lot of turtles because a lot of big uh, snapper. Oh, yeah. My jugging ability is pretty much with from my, my buddy Leon Dunaway there, which, mm -hmm. you know, four or five trips with him, I've learned a lifetime of, of jugging. Now, me and my other friend, Brian Womble, we've developed some pretty darn good limb lining skills there. And we can we brought in our biggest catfish was a 50-pounder on a limb line. Mm, you get a 50-pounder yeah, yeah. on a limb line. God. So that's, yeah. that's, we had a 50-pounder and a 28-pounder and a 24. A flathead? It was a big blue cat. Big blue cat, yeah. Mm -hmm. What were we all boating with? Yeah. A little bit of everything. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit of everything. We caught that 50 pounder. We run out of bait and we had a big white perch. Some people call them drums. So we filleted a big, big piece of the side off, about four inch. Big hook, big bait, big fish. That's the darn recipe. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and we was very fortunate. But like I said, we caught the 50 pounder and had him secure on a big number nine stainless hook and had a big like a uh, like a four five six inch piece of dern 
uh, white drum for laid off in the current. We set out a little bit deeper on this, and the other one was up in a in, in a creek, and in, in no current. But it was out in the currents where we where we caught him. Mm-hmm. And then then we use uh, crayfish a lot. It's a really good bait, and then a little bitty brim, really good. We didn't have any brim, but we've used them before. We used some shiners and stuff, mm-hmm. but brim hold up really good. But crayfish is is one of the best limb line baits because them fish are up in the backwater when the backwater gets up and they're they're out looking for crayfish and, and things like that. Worms work pretty good. You gotta worry about the bait stickers coming in mm. and getting some of that stuff. Yeah. But but crayfish work really good. Crawdads, what some people call them. Mm-hmm. You know, I've even heard of people using shrimp and stuff or, or yeah. cut bait. You know, we caught about a four foot eel on some darn cut bait. It's a pretty good pretty good size. What? Dang. I don't know what the heck to do with that. Yeah, I'm pretty good eating, too. They can, but... The mean, eel? What are we talking here? Yeah, yeah. Didn't we catch American a snake eel. that time? American eel. Okay, so we, explain Yeah, this. we sure did. Well, so, American eel is an eel in the rivers, lake, and stream, and they go all the way down in the Sargasso Sea to to uh, live, mm-hmm. and then wherever, what, whatever rip, timber tributary that they, they're in, they come back in to mate. Mm-hmm. So they go all the way out there in the darn ocean and live out there and then when they come back, they come back up the river system there and through all the navigation dams and locks and stuff we got in, you know, it's got a bunch of them and the turbines and stuff there. But we caught about a four footer out on some cut. Huh. If I caught an eel, I don't and know we what. We skin it out and man, the, the, darn, the darn meat is as snowy white as that soap piece of salt right there. That's good, mate. I'd That's eat good. it, but I'm like, I don't know what I would do. If I caught an eel, I'm like, ugh. I don't know about that. can tell you, talking about limb line, when I, Andrew, I'm not sure if you were with us yet, you know, hunting so. and fishing, but you familiar with Shades Creek down there where we hunt? Oh, yeah. That's, oh, we yeah. were limb line, and it's about two in the morning. We pull up to one of our limbs, and it's just a pulling, pulling, and I said, son, yeah, he was pretty small. I said, I was going to let him grab the line, and pull the cat what we thought was catfish and we got and I was baiting with a little brim like Kevin was talking about and he pulls it up and big old cotton mouth we Whoa. <laughs> cotton mouth had, had tried to eat the brim and got caught with the hook and you ought to seen Colton let go of that limb line and jump around the boat and it was pretty funny so oh man it was pretty funny I was one time fishing on a creek like a little creek around there. I don't think it was Shades Creek, but it was a creek around there. Um, might have been Buck Creek. I was fishing, and there's a, a, a copperhead that had caught a brim and was sitting there trying to eat it, like a big brim. Like a, the copperhead mm-hmm. caught a brim that looked too copperhead big. Copperhead or banded water snake? Yeah, it's a copperhead. Uh, like, what was the pattern on the back of its skin? Uh, copperhead pattern. Copperhead <laughs> pattern. I don't know. But then, you're right. A lot of people. I'm on the wheel of fortune now. No, no but a lot you're of people. You're in a rookie club right now, and you, all your turtle stuff done went down the table. <laughs> <laughs> they they are very GIS. similar. They are very similar, but I. And we got a lot of banded water yeah. snakes. But, uh, well, now tell me about the banded water snake. Okay, so <laughs> banded right. water snake is probably the most. Uh, misidentified snake. Everybody, out there. everybody thinks. Everyone it's, thinks it's a water moccasin. Everybody thinks it's. A, they think it's a water moccasin. They think it's a copperhead. Uh, I've heard. I'd have to disagree with you. Probably the diamondback. Diamondback green, water snake. The green diamondback water yeah. snake. Most misidentified snake that's out there. Really. And the and the banded water snake is probably second. Okay. Because everybody thinks the 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 green diamondback water snake they, is a cottonmouth, and, and they, they are the most ugliest, gruesome looking snake. 
that's out there, and they'll get up to six foot Huge, long. yes. Huge. And big around. I mean, yes. big around. Mm-hmm. But people see them, and they just go to pieces because they automatically know it's a darn cottonmouth, and it ain't no cottonmouth. Yeah, very true, very true. And I, I flipped up and flipped over a, a John boat growing up, had a big old Diamondback horse thing, and by God, scared the absolute. And they're, I mean, they're kind of aggressive. I mean, they can be passive, but they're kind of aggressive. And this is a big thing. Well, what kind of? They are aggressive. Alabama's full of cottonmouths, and once yeah. you once you know a cottonmouth, you know a cottonmouth. Very true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Once I mean, you know a cottonmouth, yeah. it's a, we found one in North Alabama. By God, that was the biggest freaking water moccasin I've ever. Seen. I've seen some big water moccasin. That was the biggest one, most it aggressive water moccasin I've ever seen. Andrew threw a snake at it, and that's that sucker. That sucker freaking squared up to him. Like, I, threw, I threw a snake at it. Threw a stick. Did I say snake? <laughs> he threw a snake at it, guys. That's the story we're going with. Okay. Andrew Maxwell, snake wrangler. <laughs> <laughs> and no, I like. I whacked it with a stick because it was on like the land bridge. A little levee. No, we're on. Yeah. It's a levee. Yeah, and, and it was in our way, and so I tried to like run it off, and it wouldn't run off. This levee was about. It turned around and squared up to us. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this levee was probably seven feet wide, eight feet wide, maybe. And Andrew, we decided there's two trails. And we've talked about this before in the pocket. There's two trails. One that went on one side of the levee, one went on the other side of the levee, the right side. And I wanted to go thinking, I was like, I was going to, I want to go on the left side. And Andrew's like, no, let's go right. I'm like, okay, let's go right. We go right. We make it like 15 feet. We look over and by God, you can see the shimmer of like the skin. And it's like, up under the grass kind of and you can see it. and she's like holy crap look at that snake and like jump back I was like what I couldn't <laughs> see it and finally I see it and I, I was like where's the head where's the head where's the head because I didn't think I thought the head was by us and I look and I'm like god that's a big water monster it was on the trail that we were about that I wanted to walk down just sitting there and I ain't wearing no snake boots so and that was a, it was a big snake I mean it was a you know water monsters they get real fat I mean they get you know Maybe almost that fat, but it was just ridiculous. Big old freaking head. It would have been a cool one to get mounted. He had a real pretty coat, like not coat, freaking coat. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Hey, he had a good coat on him. He really did, man. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that. And then we found a baby one too that day. Yeah, we found early a on that I almost stepped on, and I was like, oh, it's whatever. You know, things like this long. It's like it's like. Yeah, I was looking dumb. at us. We went way back in the swamp. And like it, way it worse like than what cold. we did today. Yeah, it was rough. Yeah, it was cold in the morning, but then it warmed up at like eleven o'clock, and we were way back in there when it warmed up. And when it warmed up, all the snakes came out. And we had to go all the way back, and we saw like five snakes on the way back. I stepped on no, I almost stepped on one on the way back. It was a banded water snake, and scared the absolute crap out of me. But yeah, anyways, I think it's a little late in the year to start talking a whole bunch about snakes. Yeah, we got a whole another podcast. For that, but that's a different. That's another day. But yeah, snake. Yep. <laughs> so I misidentified a copperhead. <laughs> All right. <laughs> awesome. Um. So tomorrow we're gonna do some squirrel hunting. I guess hopefully maybe I'll, I'll shoot one. Maybe not. We'll see. Andrew might be behind the camera. Might not. You, Jacob was gonna try and shoot one, and then well, Ben. Ben is two for two, so he might want to leave a gun. Quit while he's ahead. <laughs> he's he shot twice and killed a squirrel and a rabbit, so he's got a perfect record. It's Kevin perfect. had to help me out on the squirrel. Though, <laughs> yeah, pretty much, through. pretty much had to hold his hand. <laughs> <laughs> Jacob's zero one. Yeah, yeah. I'm holding everybody's hand on this trip. Yeah, <laughs> bunch of greenhorns, man. I don't know. I heard a bunch of shooting going on on that second rabbit. That's a, oh, that's right. I like to shoot. <laughs> 22 shoots an inch and a half high and my shotgun shoots behind <laughs> yeah today when, when you killed that cottontail you had to uh, 
You had to hit him in each leg, you said, right? I just slowed him down there. Yeah, they had a young dog out there needed to get a cripple in his mouth. Slowed down just a little bit, then another one he's just barely dragging like a fishing worm with that front leg. Oh man! Thank God we don't have any PETA listeners. <laughs> now you do. Yeah, now we probably do. We're gonna go get after it again in the morning. Tomorrow's squirrel. So yeah, it's gonna be awesome. I'm I'm excited. Hopefully. Go out there. Are we taking what? Are we taking Bobby Jango? Or no, we... we're gonna take Butchie Bad Toe there. Butchie and, uh, Bad Toe. And Brown. I think I'm gonna do. Probably gonna be a train wreck taking two dogs, but I'm thinking about taking two. But we might just take one. So you take two out, and you get a lot of competition, a lot of running, and going and hunting against each other. So I don't know. Huh. I think I'm gonna load both of them up, but I might just bring one. So okay, very cool. Well, I'm excited for it. Hopefully, hopefully, first of all, we'll get some cool food. Second of all, hopefully, I can. Break a break zero missing street. Yeah, just, yeah. I can't can't do it tomorrow. Prove yeah, prove that you're worth your salt. Yeah, very <laughs> much so. He's so. a good cameraman, though. I, yeah. Oh man, I can get some cool footage. Just give me the cameraman. Yeah, give me the cameraman because I'm the cameraman. <laughs> I tell you what, I'm 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 doing a turnaround when I leave Kentucky and headed over near Mississippi. If you want to come be the cameraman. Man, man I got work. <coughs> Actually, I'm going to Atlanta Monday to go look at apartments all day Monday. So, can't be yeah. doing that. But, they're just about to try to cut it off. Yeah. Does anybody have anything that we left off? Concluders. Anything we didn't touch man, on? we got concluders. You gotta go around, bud. Yeah, go meat eater style, which Kevin, you, you've been through it. If we go meat eater style, then we'll do concluding we'll do thoughts. Concluders. Well, Colton, do you have any? Come on. Oh, just that I will be very disappointed if Jacob misses another squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> now you're going to miss a squirrel. I <clears throat> appreciate the oh, pressure. That's part of it. Amos cheap. Ben, do you have any concluding thoughts? I'd just like to thank Kevin Murphy for allowing us to come up here. And uh, one thing we didn't talk about, what a wonderful breakfast he cooked this morning. Yeah. My goodness. Uh, That's the right way to start the day. I'm used to it when we go rabbit hunting. We're letting the dogs loose at sundown. Still trying to... Yeah. Scarf down my Jack's biscuit. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and this morning we woke up and had a four course breakfast. Yeah, and got out there well, after the frost burned off. It was nice. I just thank him for the uh, breakfast and allowing us to come in here and just kind of intrude on him and track okay. mud in his house and sleep in his bedrooms. And uh, yeah. thank you so much, Kevin. Thank More you. Welcome, welcome. Thank you again. Back. Anytime. And I'll say once again, I've I've known some people that I just really. You, you just know when you're around a woodsman and uh, mm-hmm. people like uh, Ben Lee and, uh, uh, you know, some others. and Kevin Murphy's a woodsman, and, uh, and we thank you. We really thank you. Enjoyed it very much. Yep. Enjoyed yeah, it very much. Yep. Kevin? Oh, I like to see young guys like y'all energetic out, you know, out hunting and fishing. You know, and I met y'all back this summer, mm-hmm. and I could tell y'all was full of enthusiasm. you like to do something. I said, you know. I got a little camp out, been doing for about four or five years. We just get out and get on the riverbank. Sometimes we do some fishing, you know, since squirrel season will be in. Since you ought to come up, you know. Mm-hmm. And it takes a lot of, you know, get up and go. I mean, you didn't know me. You didn't know what you was getting into. And, of course, uh, uh, Jacob, you only had to come about an hour and a half. Yeah. But Andrew made a, what is that, four five. or five-hour trip? Yeah, five. I came from... Uh, Auburn. Auburn. Yeah, seven months, six, seven. Yeah, I drove a long way. <laughs> <laughs> it was worth it though, wasn't it? It was worth it, man. I had a great time. <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. So, you know, we 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 just slumbed around there like a darn uh, hook fin. 
yeah. Mark Twain on a riverbank for a couple yeah. of days. We went over and invaded uh, Illinois, and they run us back. <laughs> so now y'all back again. And like I said, you know, we're going to do it again this summer. We're going to have a big camp out. Burning Squirrel. Burning Squirrel going to be our thing this year, baby. You yeah. know, we, we always got to burn something about midnight. We had the effigy burning last year, but it's going to be the Burning Squirrel this year. That's going to be awesome. So I'm thinking we're going to have probably a few more people show up at it over there, and we'll have a big time. And like I said, it, it gets me pumped up to see somebody young and be able to share, you know, this knowledge. And I get kind of, like I said, all in a tizzy sometimes, but I don't mean nothing about it. I just get excited. And it, like I said, it just comes just like taking a breath of air. I don't even think about it. It says, you know, this mm -hmm. is what you need to be doing. And I said, you know, we got to do it this way right here. And I'm not always right. And, and like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm like being, there's a lot of things that I can learn. I don't, I ain't a very good steel hunter at all. And don't, and not really that interesting out there fighting the mosquitoes and all that stuff. If it's cold, I can just put me another jacket on if I'm moving around. But I do like to get out, and I still hunt a little bit. But like I said, my passion is following the dog, and I'll get the dogs out in the summertime when squirrel season is, and run them a little bit. I know that about every 10 trees I make, that I probably just get one squirrel. But like I said, I like being outside. I like seeing young guys. I like seeing guys my age still involved, because a lot of people all right, I'm 59, you 57. It's, uh, they, yes. they already quit. They already quit because, like I said, if you're going to be a hunter or fisherman, it takes some effort. You, you, it, it ain't nothing easy about it there. Mm -hmm. You've got to get your gear ready, get up, you know. You don't have to get up early in the morning. You don't have to stay all day. But you, you get home, you got to put your gear up. You know, y'all help me take care of my dogs today, and I really appreciate that. Mm -hmm. You washed my darn dishes this morning and skint the squirrels, and that's the first time ever I've been on a darn hunting trip there that I didn't have to maybe wash dishes or skin the darn critters. So, you know, I really <laughs> appreciate that. Glad we could help. So, uh, I guess you contribute that, 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 that video that me and, me and Steve Steve made on how to how to how to clean the squirrel the proper way. Paid off. Yeah, so, there you go. It paid off because you didn't have to clean thirteen squirrels <laughs> yesterday. Yeah. Well, Jacob. Awesome. You well, again, I appreciate actually both of y'all me me being able to spend both time with both of you guys. You know, small game hunting and Kevin really be able to watch. You know, small game hunting behind a dog again. Not growing up with that aspect of it. It really kind of hit home with me as, you know, this is something else I can be doing, you know, around deer hunting and around turkey hunting and everything else. And be another reason to get out in the woods, another reason to become a better outdoorsman, a better better woodsman, and, and learn more skills than just, you know, how to, you know, find different trail intersections and different, you know, funnels and edges to hunt deer or, you know, how to be able to call on turkeys, uh, which is, I think, the thing that makes you a good woodsman is that aspect along with, you know, I'd love to get into trapping too. I know, Andrew, you're kind of, you know, you had times in your life where you were kind of big in trapping. I think that'd be, you know, fascinating as well if I had more time to be able to do that. But, you know, just spending time with you guys and, you know, seeing, first of all, how dogs work, you know, running on behind squirrels, you know, running behind rabbits, even though we just had a couple rabbits we were running with today and kind of get that whole atmosphere and the whole, um, the high energy we had all day long, especially today, and having Joel over here and just kind of seeing um, the feedback from everybody on a hunt. And one thing I really learned was, and kind of, again, kind of hit home with me is, you know, watching you guys and actually learning from you guys while we were in the woods. You know, watching, I was watching Joel a lot when we were like running the dogs. I was kind of mim trying to mimicking what he was doing. If he was looking a certain direction, I was looking that way and the dogs were circling. And I'm like, well, because they're coming up behind us and turn, you know, that's what happened. You know, kind of watching you guys on what's going on, you know, how to look, you know, look for, you know, squirrels up in the tree. 
get shots like you you know you're talking about always try to shoot for 22 you know off from a you know a, a tree or something you know kind of lean against a tree you know stay balanced and uh, stuff like that you know definitely I'm gonna take with me hopefully next time we come I won't be so greenhorn I won't be such a greenhorn and maybe be a little more efficient <laughs> and uh, yeah so I, again I appreciate it so thank you Kevin Ben I thought Joel was pretty pretty funny this morning. I met him and he looked at my briar pants and said, I see you've been through a few briars in your time. <laughs> he said, but also, no, your dogs must not be very good if you're having to get in all those briars. <laughs> and he, and, and it's amazing in Alabama, you get the same comment from some of them guys. So what I told him today when we left, I said, it's amazing to me how I can be hunting with guys in Alabama and people like Kevin and Joel are the same guys that I hunt with in Alabama personality you know what I mean oh yeah they know the same things the same kind of that kind of what Joel said this morning mm -hmm. I've heard old guys say that in Alabama if your pants are tore up that bad your dogs are not getting in there like they should so <laughs> like I told Joel today I said you'd fit right in in Alabama with the rabbit hunters down there he said well y'all must be hurting for people down there <laughs> <laughs> so it was great meeting him Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's a nice guy. He's a very good one, and I, and I appreciate him taking time out of his, out of his hunting week to come and, come and hunt with us there. And like I said, I've learned a lot about swamp rabbit hunting from him, and we have a good time. And, and we'd be out there, and I was just looking at sunshine was on my face, and I was just thinking, man, you know, it can't get no better than this right here. Mm -hmm. So I'm just, and, 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 and I'm just, as soon as I had that thought through my head, he said, Murphy, he says, Reckon what all the darn rich people's doing today. So they can't be having no better time. And I says, you know, they're probably counting their money. And I said, me and you are counting our blessings. Mm -hmm. That's right. And, that's, and right. that's the that's way right. I feel about being outdoors. Mm -hmm. You know, me and Kevin talked about the other night. Uh, you remember, Kevin, we said, you know, we might not have all the money in the world, but we're living the life. Mm -hmm. I get to hunt all winter long. And man, that means more to me than a ton of money and being miserable. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, you know, a lot of people got money and they're miserable. Yeah. I'm living the life. If I die tomorrow, man, y'all tell everybody that fella had fun. <laughs> Times your. I think you feel the same way. Oh, I do. I retired in, in uh, seven years ago. I work part time, and by working part time, it makes your leisure time more valuable out there. But I met, you know, I met so many people on my new jobs that are they're, they're, that are dear to me. And like I said, I'm able to have a job where I can take off and go hunting and make a little extra money to go on some extraordinary hunting trips mm -hmm. that, that I, I just thank the Lord above for the blessings that he's bestowed upon me to be able to do do what I do. And, and I really, really do enjoy that, enjoy meeting new people. Like I said, I'd be disappointed if y'all don't all come back up here again and hunt. And, you know, all the hunters got to stick together, whether you're a trapping, a deer hunting, dog hunter, a falconer, or whatever. Frog gigger, we all got to stick together and, and stick to our roots. And it ain't for everybody. We ain't trying to make everybody a hunter or a fisherman or, or whatever. And we, and we ain't against people that don't want to do that. But that's what's in our DNA. It's like the pioneers that came, came to the new country right there. There's a certain group of people that had it in them to get out in front of everybody and explore and look at the country over and that's kind of what we are we're the last mm -hmm. of the explorers and the hunters that like to get out and prowl around 
then there's people that just like to stay home and, and, and do their thing and not get outside there. But but we got to keep it going and show the new people, the old people, people that's got interest in and got enthusiasm mm-hmm. on what the outdoors is about. It's more than killing animals. You know, it's it's a lot more than that. Mm-hmm. Oh, it is. Mm-hmm. Amen to that. I guess I'll wrap it up by again saying thank you, Kevin. And thanks to everybody else for being up here and making this a great time. I, I had the same thought today when we were out there. And I watched that rabbit cross the road and I watched the beagles running around and I felt the sun and I was like, this is it right here. Wasn't this it a beautiful day in Kentucky today, Kevin? This, for this time of year, this is beautiful in Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Every day is beautiful, but day is extraordinary. It really was. In Kentucky. It was nice, man. It was, it was nice out there. Is a and dare I say I was I was glad I wasn't in a deer stand or a saddle today. Mm-hmm. I was like, man, I'm glad I'm I'm running rabbits today. Mm-hmm. It was a lot of fun. But thank you again, Kevin, and thanks everybody for listening. You guys seem to really have enjoyed over the last year where we've went to a Q&A format every Thursday on the show where we answer some listener questions. Now, some of the most common ones that we get have to do with gear, but also how to find a good hunting buddy. You know, I'm really lucky to, to have a hunting buddy like Jacob. We've been on a lot of incredible hunting trips together over the years, and it's just nice to have somebody that, you know, is always down to go on that that trip that you've always wanted to go on or, or who will wake up at three o'clock in the morning and go get that gate before someone else does on public land with you, whatever the case may be. And like I said, we get a lot of questions on how do you find, you know, a group of people who enjoy that same thing so you can kind of network and make some connections. The Mobile Hunters Expo is the place to do that. Y'all heard us talk about it last year, and guess what? This year it's happening in Dalton, Georgia. We're going to be there June 28th through through the 30th. We're going to be there all three days. We're going to have a booth. You can come talk to us. We talked to a lot of you guys last year, had a ton of fun. So looking forward to that again. But guys, I'm telling you, this is the place to come network. And there's going to be a ton of you guys there. A lot of Southern Outdoorsman podcast listeners are going to be at this show. And actually, Friday, June 28th, there's going to be an after-hour social after the expo. So what better place to go kind of intermingle, hang out with a bunch of like-minded people, and probably pick up a couple new hunting buddies. So you guys don't miss it. It's June 28th through the 30th. I'm telling you, if you listen to this podcast, this is an event you need to be at. Now, we'll see you guys at the Mobile Hunters Expo June 28th through the 30th in Dalton, Georgia.